Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. This is the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley is here. Super Bowl champ Kerry Davis is back. I'm Randy Carricker. I'm back, and it's great to have you with us for a morning of sports conversation and fun and frivolity here on 101 ESPN. Brooke Grimsley, great job yesterday with Polo. It was fun to listen to you guys, and you had a great time. Yeah, it was It was a lot of fun. I definitely missed you guys a lot, so no more of that, okay? No more of <laughs> okay. leaving me all by myself. Kerry, she went by four for four in the fight. Okay. It was. Yes. Uh, here's the thing. I was as soon as I found out you guys were both not going to be here. I have not stopped thinking about that. So I, I barely slept the night before. I was so nervous. <laughs> I was so nervous. I was very very nervous about it. Um, but made it through. So that, that's all that matters. Thank goodness Mookie Betts is from Tennessee. Yeah. Yes, yes, I know. Rockio Rockio battled with me about yeah. that. He was like, he's not from Middle Tennessee. I was like, yes, he is. Wow. He's from the, he was born in the same city that Jalen Ramsey is. Try not to yeah. handy the freaking win, but I guess there I did. You go. I mean, did. Yep. Yeah. And, and CD actually got a chance to get out of town, take a little deep breath. Welcome I back. I needed it. We started practice yesterday, so had to do a little decompressing prior to uh, football practice because we're back in the the swing of things, so yeah. to speak. And you, you do a little decompressing, and then you have to watch a Cardinal game. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I, Randy, after relaxing, you just, what'd you say, breathe in the flowers, smell in the flowers. Smell the flowers. <sighs> Blow candles. out the candles. And yeah, so that's all I did do. yesterday. Cardinal fans. Uh, it was, it's, that too. It's, it's tough. It's tough. Well, things look good early on for the Cardinals. Hannes Wagner with an RBI <laughs> in the second inning, and the Redbirds are up by a score of 1-0. Have you guys given up on Hannes Wagner? Uh, uh, he, he's coming up in timely spots. Yeah, well, he's that hitting time. That time. I mean, he, he you know, not yet. He's he's I, I'm still I'm still there with him. Okay, good. Oh, I like him. I'm holding on. Okay, call yeah. him hottest for the time being. Yeah. I mean, history okay. kind yeah. of repeating itself a little bit. Yeah, yeah. be a back bit. to Paul in a little bit. Yeah, might take a little bit longer. Hottest, hottest didn't always have it easy either. Adam Wainwright got knocked around in the bottom of the second inning. It was three to one in favor of Texas as we moved all the way to the eighth. But the Cardinals were not done. Those pesky Cardinals, they just never go away. So we're in the top of the eighth inning, and you're thinking. Okay, it's just not going to happen for the Cardinals tonight because uh, number one, the, uh, the the Rangers are just pitching great, right? You've got uh, Martin uh, Perez pitching really well. You get to the eighth inning and it's still a three-one game. You haven't scored any runs, but in the top of the eighth, uh, you get a walk to Jordan Walker, and then Nolan Gorman singles, and then Tommy Edmond singles. So you have the bases loaded. Goldie hits a sack fly. Jordan Walker scored, and that brought Nolan Arenado to the plate. High fly ball hit down the left field line in the corner at the wall. It's off the wall. We've got a relay race between second and third. Jordan and Edmund flying toward the plate. Now Arenado's in a third. Edmund in a rundown between third and home. Just go back. Just go back to third. Stay and there. they tag him out. The Cardinals get the game tied on a bullet off the wall in left. Everybody held up at second. Arenado saw Edmund flying behind the back of Nolan Gorman. His head was down. 
Chip Carey, the call on Bally Sports. I'm thinking, why the face here? What, 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 what the hell is going on? Here? He, he couldn't go back because the Nolan Arenado was at third. So, but, he, but what's Gorman thinking in the first place? I, that yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, it, it's a base running mistake. And you would hope that you don't have those. I think at that point, Tommy Edmonds should have just kept going. I mean, yeah, you have I already you. committed to if you, you run him down, don't don't pass him, but run him down and be as close to on his heels as possible and make it a tough throw and a tough play for the catcher at, at, at home. And unfortunately, they just, you know, they had a had a brain fart and were unable to score. And that proved to be a, a crucial run for the Cardinals. Well, and also, do they pointed out during the broadcast as well, it's just with Nor- Nolan Gorman going all the way back to the back. Normally, you just kind of go to a quarter to like halfway uh, between second and third on a play like that. So they kept on pointing that out as well during the broadcast. And then the he broadcast. slipped, right? And then yeah. he did slip, yes. Yeah. I mean, what was he? What would he have gained by tagging up in that moment? He'd have just got to third. The ball wasn't going to get caught. He, Come uh, on. Well, and, no, it wasn't. But even if it did, if you tag up, you're only going to get to third. You're not, yeah. I mean, it's not that big of a difference in that moment the 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 bigger play the more important play is as Brooks said going halfway and then be a, being able to score in that moment and Tommy Edmond being able to score as well. Well guys this goes back to the fundamentals and we're going to talk about this in the next segment but I can tell you this and Kerry you watched the Cardinals in the 80s we didn't see stuff like that. No. They were aggressive and sure they they got thrown out sometimes but you wouldn't have had guys stopping. No. Uh, under Tony Larusa, that did. Under Joe Torre, that didn't happen. And the, the Hall of Fame managers, right? Whitey Herzog, Joe Torre, Tony Larusa. Too early to say whether or not Ali Marmol is going to be a Hall of Fame manager. But I can tell you this: fundamentally, this team is just not very good. Well, I, I can't put that on a manager. That's a that's a player in the moment. Oh. It, there are times in moments where you can practice something over and over and over mm-hmm. again, and when you get in that moment of live action. Your brain just goes completely blank and you forget all of the things. That's why veteran players are important because they've seen so many things. That's a that, Gorman is a younger player. That's that's his first time maybe being in a situation like that in the majors, and hopefully he learns from it and, and is able to, the next time that comes up, he makes the right play. We will talk more about this in our upcoming segment. However, we go to the ninth. We're tied 3-3. After Ryan Helsley pitched the eighth inning through 13 pitches, the Cardinals decide, yeah, he doesn't need to come back out. He's he's gassed after 13 pitches. So, Hennessy's Cabrera <laughs> is your pitcher. After a ground out that sent the, the runner to third base, the ghost runner, Marcus Simeon walked, and Corey Seager reached on a single to bring up Nathaniel Lowe. Lowe bounces it left side and through base hit. Here comes Simeon. The throw on the way. It's offline. And the Rangers win it. And the Rangers do win it by a score of 4-3. to three. But guys, okay, there's some... We, we're we we're looking at the L, okay? We are not looking big picture. We are not mm-hmm. thoughtful baseball people, okay? okay? Cardinals lost this game, but did they really? Here's their skipper. Yeah, I feel like we uh, actually lined out quite a bit. You look at the three runs they got, and you look at our at-bats, and you tell me which ones you want over time, and I guarantee you're taking ours. Uh, we lined out quite a bit, and then uh, a lot of those, theirs fell in. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They won, we lost. Um, but if you're talking about quality of at-bats, we actually took some pretty good ones. No, I'm, I'm going to take the runs over the quality of at-bats. With all due respect, <laughs> Skipper. I'm going I'm to take runs. I'm going to take wins. I'm going to take more than the other team scored. Uh, I, I love your quality at-bats, but that's the problem with baseball in general and the Cardinals specifically here. They don't care about the wins and the losses. All they care about is their stupid process, which is ridiculous. 
ridiculous. Oh, we, we got quality at bats. We have great exit velocity. We have a great launch angle. Our, our spin rate's awesome. Our velo is terrific. But to hell with winning. Our, our processes look great, <laughs> but who the hell cares about winning? That's a, that's a problem with this franchise right now. Well, it's from the top. Yeah. This is Bill DeWitt. And it's not a money thing. People say, oh, he doesn't care about winning because of money. He cares about his process because he's got a tremendous ego because he invented the process, bringing Jeff Luno in in 2003. Players don't care about winning because players are told. How many times was Matt Carpenter told, oh, don't worry about the fact that you're hitting 189. You're hitting the ball hard. Uh, how many times has Ryan Helsley or, or Jordan Hicks been told, well, you're throwing at 101. Process is fine. You know what? At some point, and I talked to Mike Matheny about this at our home run derby the other yeah. night. Mike Matheny would, uh, the, the Royals, and not that they're any great shakes, but Mike is old school. Mike Maddox is old school. Bruce Bochy is old school. They care about winning. So what they would do in the minor leagues is reward players that actually won, that actually did things to win games rather than have the best launch angle or have the best exit velo. You know what? Carrie and I wa- grew up watching the 80s Cardinals. You know what they would do? They would hit the ball 60 miles an hour to the right side to move a runner <laughs> to third. You know? Uh, that, that that exit velo wasn't great, but you it know was what? effective. The Texas Rangers did that to win the game yesterday. Yes, they did. Versus the shift. <laughs> so, Winning plays. This is... The, the reason that this is the worst Cardinal team I've ever seen in my life, this is worse than the 70s teams, is because nobody cares about winning. Mm. Well, and that is something that, you know, I was I was over there when you were talking to Mike Matheny about bringing up your point about the winning and losing guys that just absolutely hate losing. But when you have kind of your minors and everybody's focusing on just individual stats, you know, you're just focusing on those individual analytics. You're getting lost in the aspect of what it takes to win a game as a team because you're not going to win it, win it individually. Right. Not at all. Exactly. Exactly. It's It's got to be a team sport. And I know that the. The Cardinals, it sounds simple, yeah. but it, it does matter, yeah. though. It, it, baseball is loathe to provide team incentives to help the team win. It'll never happen. The union would never allow it to happen. But base, And this isn't just the Cardinals. Baseball has a huge problem with their approach and, and the math people, the math nerds. It's absolutely ridiculous. And again, you look at the standings, Cardinals by far. No, it's not even close. The worst record in the National League. And they're probably going to wind up with the worst record in the National League since uh, 1918. Last time the Cardinals had the worst record in the National League. Uh, they're, they're they're just awful. But I look at the teams at the top. The the rain, not the very top, but the Rangers are 39 and 20 with Bruce Bochy at the helm. The Astros are 36 and 24 with Bruce Bochy at the helm. The Yankees are 36 and 25. I know the Yankees have a lot of analytics, but Aaron Boone is an old school guy. Uh, John Schneider is an old school guy. You look at our league. Brian Snicker is an old school guy. Uh, you, you, at the end of the day, a guy like Buck Showalter is going to be there. It, it's just uh, last year in the World Series, Rob Thompson, old school guy for Philadelphia. And there is something to be said for worrying about winning the blanking game. Yeah, well, and also, too, it matters having, we've talked about this so much, just having guys around who have been there, done that. Having that winning mentality, having won a championship as well, mm-hmm. too. With the guys that you have on this team, the, you, it's, you can't wait for you know things to kind of turn around no. for them. You just can't, you know? And I know that they haven't been perfect all the time this season. I'm looking at those superstars and Nolan Arenado and Paul Goldschmidt and stuff like that. But theoretically, if you look at this team from a roster standpoint, even that opening day roster, the way that they're performing right now, if you, if you looked at paper very early on, you compare that to the rest of the division, 
there's so much talent and this isn't yeah. making sense. No. Something is not cohesively coming together as a unit. And I hope Bill DeWitt Jr. is looking at that because they've had a process for a long time that has been, in their minds, successful. There is nobody in their right mind that would look at what they have currently as successful. And when you look at big picture, I think you have to wonder whether or not you are, Brooke, you brought up the, the, the talent level. Are they maximizing the talent? Are they getting the most out of the talent that they have on hand? I, I think it's hard to argue that they are. By the way, Matthew has this great stat, Cardinal pitchers and save situations this year. One and six with a 5.20 ERA. Cardinal pitchers in save situations this year. One and six with a 5.20 ERA. 13 saves, 13 blown saves. So at least they're 500. It's not great. <laughs> no, it's not, <laughs> no, it's not great. I, I mean, it's it's just not good. I, those 13 games, you figure, obviously, if you, you're blowing slave, saves, you got the lead right then, correct? Mm-hmm. So you would feel like... Um, it's an opportunity to win that game, and you should win that game. And if you got 13 more wins, you're you're in a much better place than you are. Maybe yep. leading the, the division clearly above 500, and it's not um, it, it's Brooks' point. Um, not great, exactly, Mo. <laughs> it's just to Brooks' point. It's so many different minor detailed things, and it's happening over and over and over again. And you know, one thing Coach Venturi always said that I, I love this comment. You're either coaching it or you're allowing it. Yep. And, you know, that's that part is on the coach. When guys make the same mistakes or continue to do the same things over and over again and again, then it's it's either being coached that way or it's being allowed to happen. So, you know, something has to shake up in that regard. Guys really gotta gotta make plays when the opportunities present themselves. The that was a tough play for Arenado to make. Uh, in in short left field mm-hmm. over his shoulder, that, that's a that's a tough play, and it, it it feels bad because obviously now the winning run is at second base, and he eventually scored. But there are minor detailed things that happen over and over again. The base running sometimes it's fielding, and and just moving a runner over at times would be good. But you know. It, if they're not going to change it, they're going to continue to lose games. Yep. Well, and yesterday there was a quote from Ali Mamal that I told you guys about before the show started that we talked about a lot on the show in regards to if this is starting to feel like April all over again. Now, here's the big difference. In April, you could kind of say, oh, maybe this is just bad luck. You know, you had the guys coming back from the World Baseball Classic. Right now, I think the difference, you can't make that excuse anymore. It's not bad luck anymore. And Ali admitted that. He just said the Pirates are better than we are. Basically, he, he, <laughs> that's, he, the, he, that's the World Series winning Pirates, the 2023 World Champions. There you go. Oh, we, we've got more complaints coming up. <laughs> By the true. way, can I make one <laughs> quick point here as we close down this opening <laughs> segment, kids? A lot of us talk about, Ray Amsinger talks about uh, the fact that Tampa Bay Rays, he thinks they're going to win the World Series. A lot of people say, well, why don't you just copy what Tampa does? You know how Tampa's culture got started? In 2005, they hired Andrew Friedman. You know who Andrew Friedman hired as his manager to start that culture that they have in Tampa to this day? One, Joe mm. Madden, who's currently not managing a team. He's mm. talking about the Cardinals a lot, though, he is. And if on the, TV. If you, if you want to maximize talent, one thing Joe Madden does is maximize talent. And, by, by the way, understands how to build an organization like Whitey Herzog or Tony La Russa did. He's, he gets it. If you read his book, The Book of Joe, you'll get that he gets it. Coming up next here on 101 ESPN, we get back to the fundamentals and the base running that the Cardinals are employing right now, <laughs> such as it is, on the opening drive on 101 ESPN. You're 
back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. lost another runner on the bases last night and that gives them 18 for the season and oh, I'm sorry 17 for the season and the Cardinals are not good enough not efficient enough offensively to be wasting scoring opportunities like that now there are other teams that are worse in baseball the Reds are worse in baseball than the Cardinals at losing players on the bases. The Guardians are worse. The Pirates, interestingly, are worse. Philadelphia has lost more on the bases. The A's, worst team in baseball, have lost more on the bases. So have the Nationals. But my point is, is that the Cardinals need to be, if they aren't going to be better offensively, they at least need to be more efficient. And that this does go back to the analytics, the, the numbers nerds. There are only 27 outs that you have. I'm much more apt to accept an act of commission trying to do something aggressive rather than omission Mm -hmm. and make the sort of mental errors the Cardinals made last night to essentially lose that game. Yeah, that the base running cost them a run. Obviously, that that was a a critical part of that game. Uh, but Brooke and I were talking about this as well. Uh, Paul DeYoung stealing second base and getting caught. Mm-hmm. He looked in like he was extremely frustrated, ex- extremely upset. Like maybe he thought it was a hit and run. Maybe he thought the batter was going to swing. I think it was Jordan Walker at the plate. Those that miscommunication because I don't think you try to steal in that situation and 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 get the final out. Knowing that Jordan Walker is at the plate, he has, hasn't been doing wonderful since he's been back. But you still don't want to lose that out if you're only considering yourself having 27 outs. It just looked to me like there was some form of miscommunication because he kind of peered in and looked extremely frustrated in that moment. And if that's taking place, it's, if it's the, the fundamentals, mm-hmm. the miscommunication, we had miscommunication with pitchers and catchers earlier in the year. We got That might poor, still be happening. Uh, maybe. I, yeah, I don't I know. That's still happening. Uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? It, it, it. I don't know if there's turmoil in that clubhouse, but I can tell you that when you continue to lose, mm-hmm. you start to find things to be really upset about. And so... I don't know if there's any issues going on. They may be as as happy as can be, or or you know, m- minus the losing. But I I know that if you continue to lose, frustration begins to set in. Well, and it just looks like, to your point too, with what you're talking about with Paul DeYoung, you you could read that a million different ways. We're not in his head, but right. at the same time too, I see your point with that because it seems like guys are not on the same page. You even look at the bus uh, base running mistake in the eighth inning. Guys are not on the same page there. I know that Nolan Gorman did slip, but still, you could just tell guys are not working together. They're not able to read each other, and that's concerning. When you're in the month of June, like I said before, the excuse of April is behind you now. It's not bad luck. It's not that you didn't have enough time with each other in spring training. You guys have had more than enough time with each other. We are past 60 games, 61 games right now. You're past that point. Those little mistakes add up, and it's costing them once again. So in a lot of ways, I think it can be worse than April. I know that that's something that we talked about yesterday. It seems like it could be worse than April because you don't have that excuse anymore of you had guys going to the World Baseball Classic. It takes a little bit to get back together. That's gone now. And as of today, right now, we, we talked about the base running. The Cardinal fielding 
according to defense, the defensive run saves metric at Fangraphs, is the fourth worst in Major League Baseball. Only the A's, maybe the worst team in history, the Nationals, who might battle the Cardinals. The, Card- the, the Nationals don't have nearly as many players as the Cardinals. And the Royals, only those three teams have fewer defensive runs saved than the St. Louis Cardinals. And this is a team, the Cardinal way, to me, is built on fundamentals, on running the bases well, doing the right thing on the bases, playing smart, aggressive baseball. Not dumb, aggressive baseball, smart, aggressive baseball. And fielding. If pitching, fielding, uh, pitching and defense, aggressiveness and speed. And the Cardinal way has just gone by the wayside for this particular group. There, This is nothing resembling the Cardinal way that I grew up adhering to under George Kissel and Whitey and and Tory and, and Tony. It's a shame. It's really sad that something that seemed to be just a rite of passage, and this is beyond winning. It's this the reason that they did win, because they played good, clean baseball and they allowed other teams to make mistakes that they didn't make. And now the Cardinals are making those mistakes, and they look like the team that the Cardinals used to victimize. Yeah, I mean, I'm looking at these this record in the National League. We're back to the bottom, mm-hmm. back to the basement, um, yeah. and— that's that. That to me is is mind blowing. It, it you never, I don't recall a time where a Cardinals team this uh, we can we can it's still early. It ain't early no more. Nope. Hey, we're, 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 we're past early. Yep. We're, we're in the we're in the 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 season. So the 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 notion that it's still early, there's still time. There is still time because it's a long season. But if this is how you've played through your first. 40, 50, 52 games, 56 games, 50, whatever, what is that, 54? I can't add. 50, 12, 50, 12, 50, 11, 50, 11, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Whatever that number is, uh, we got 61. There you go. So So 100 games left. Yes. That's who you are. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. And until you decide that you want to be better and show up every single day and actually be better. You can want to be better all you want until you actually are better and actually are doing the the minor detailed things, you're not going to win. And and Randy, we Brooke, we were talking about this and I want to touch on this because I don't want to leave them out. The pitching, the starting pitchers, the number of hits that they allow. You got to lead and then you allow the Texas Rangers to creep back into the game. That has to be, you know, the, the the most frustrating thing about what's going on with this team right now is just every facet seems to let them down yeah. at some point. And innings, mm-hmm. by the way, are part of that. Brooke, uh, BT made the point last night, and we can parse numbers all we want, but in the nine games leading into last night, Cardinal starters had the best ERA in Major League Baseball. Now, that's that's a nine-game stretch, and even though they had the ERA, the, the innings weren't there. It's not That's not a legitimate winning team when you're only getting five innings, but the fact of the matter is, uh, for that little snippet of time, that's hey, can we turn this on? Can we turn on this machine here? Sunshine, lollipops, and rainbows. Everything <laughs> that's wonderful is what I feel when we're together. Whack. Whack. Yes, we're back, we're back to the horror version of Sunshine and Lollipops, which we, we experienced too much in April. And, and to your point, CD2, it, it goes back to that's another little thing. Little things just adding up. Miles Michaelis actually leading, I believe, the National League in hits allowed. He also had 10 hits in his last start. If you actually go and look at the pitchers who are allowing the most hits, you're going to see some familiar names from that starting rotation as well. Jordan Montgomery is up there as well. Steven Matz, I know he's 
not in the starting rotation anymore, but that's another name that's kind of high up there and hits allowed. So you're always kind of pitching around trouble. You know, there there's a lot of different situations where that adds up as well, too. Yeah, um, Michael is one of the highest in the, in the league right now. For qualified pitchers at over 1.1, Wayno, not yet qualified, is at 1.5. Mm-hmm. June 9th, 1980, Whitey Herzog took over the St. Louis Cardinals. Two years later, they won the World Series. Bill DeWitt Jr., you still got time. <laughs> that feels like a very clear message that you're having. I Real quick, I have a quick question that somebody asked. If Madden is so smart, this is from the Ruin mm-hmm. 4, so good, why isn't he managing now? I think that's a really good question, and I think he's a victim of the numbers nerds in baseball. There just aren't enough non-completely analytics, and not that he doesn't buy into analytics, but Joe's issue is that he wants to manage the game. Ali Marwal doesn't manage the game. The Cardinal front office manages the game. Most front offices act that way. I, I'm under the, uh, this is total speculation on my part. I think Mike Schilt got fired because he wanted to manage the game. And that's why Joe Madden isn't managing, because he actually wants to manage people, manage the game, work two innings ahead, understand that the game does have a heartbeat, that they're men, not machines, and that there's actually a thought process that doesn't occur at one or two in the afternoon. It happens during the course of a baseball game. If you ever want to know what Joe Madden is, read Tony LaRusso's book, the book by Buzz Bissinger, Three mm-hmm. Nights in August. That is the essence of a real manager managing a game. And that's why Joe Madden is being victimized right now, because he actually understands what's happening during a game and manages. And that's what it feels like is missed, right? That kind of feel for the game right mm-hmm. now and feel for what the players need in certain situations and how to get the most out of them. And that how to feel, teach them, yeah. Right? It, 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 Joe Madden understands. He spent a ton of time playing, coaching, managing minor league baseball, learning his craft. I've told the story before. I'll say it right now again. Dave Duncan on this very set of airwaves about a decade ago was on with Anthony and, and Chris and was on an overseas trip with Joe Madden. Dave Duncan, who worked with George Kissel, worked with Tony Larusa, said the best teacher of baseball he was ever around with Joe Madden. Can I can I ask another question? Because I, I have not that I wanted to manage uh, or anything. Not that, <laughs> not that I wanted to hear your question. <laughs> no, <laughs> excuse <ahead>. me. <laughs> um we talked about the infielders in the outfield. Do you think that a, a true outfielder makes that throw? That line that throw was offline from from Brendan Donovan to for the end of the game. That's what I'm talking about. Yep. A, a, a true left fielder, a guy that plays that position, he went from second base to left field. He is moving positions during ga- during the game, which I understand. You got a pinch hitter coming, you got to move people around. But do you think that something like that plays into it as well? Because it totally does that sh- that that play at the plate should have been much closer than it was. That yeah. wasn't a, a a soft hit ball. That ball was hit hard enough that where the left fielder Brendan Donovan should have made a a great throw to the plate, and that play should have been a lot closer than it was. Yeah. And here's my opinion about left field. Well, this particular left field situation, your left fielder is a lot better. If you are aware of his existence and he shows up at the ballpark, if you have a left fielder and he shows up at the ballpark and you see him, maybe he even travels with the team once in a while, maybe you have a better left field situation. But if you have a left hip fielder that may may not be hurt, I don't know, but doesn't show up, then that's a problem. It's very confusing to it's, me. It's weird. It's weird. It's so uncardinal-esque, but it's what it is. Uh, coming up next, we're going to talk to Stan McNeil about Cardinals Magazine. Uh, they, they've got a new issue out, and they're going to be talking about the good times. That's next on 101 ESPN. The smartest way to do your homework is Heckman Lumber. 
Warm weather means homework for homeowners. And if your homework means a new deck, then turn to the deck experts at Hackman Lumber. Browse the largest inventory of decking materials and deck accessories in Missouri at Hackman Lumber Company. Talk with their experts about treated lumber, cedar, timber tech, treks, Envision, Azek, and decorators to find the best deck for you. Check out endless choices of railings, balusters, and LED deck lighting options. Hackman Lumber Company will not be undersold on in-stock decking materials guaranteed. You can choose to do it yourself with Hackman's expert advice, or they can recommend reputable contractors to do the work for you. Stop by and see Hackman's expanded paint department, too, with brushes, rollers, painter's tape, and four different lines of interior and exterior paint. Custom color match available. Visit Hackman Lumber's newly remodeled stores in St. Peter's and Pacific, or their showroom in Troy, Missouri. Hackman Lumber. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. One, two, three, four. Super Bowl champ, Kerry Davis. I'm Randy Carricker. It's the opening drive on 101 ESPN, and we head to the celebrity line now. And our friend Stan McNeil joins us to talk a little Cardinal baseball and Cardinal magazine. I guess Cardinal magazine mostly. Uh, good morning, Stan. How are you doing this morning? Hi, Randy. I'm doing uh, I'm doing well. Probably uh, a little better than uh, the birds on the bat here. Uh, I was uh, actually out in uh, California this weekend for, for a wedding, so I missed a little bit of the... Uh, continued uh, disappointing losses there yeah it really is for me and i i grew up here so i am well aware of the cardinals last 50 plus years i aside from 1994 95 when anheuser-busch had kind of checked out and didn't want to own the team and they were preparing to sell it aside from those years i don't remember anything like this yeah, you know, I have been here since 2000, 23 years and a and change at this point. And earlier this season, when they fell 12 under 500, that was the first time they had been that far under 500 since uh, I had been in St. Louis. And so uh, we're almost back to that point now uh, at 11 under. So yeah, it's uh, you know it's one of those things where if it's not this, it's that. Well, what is the this and that? What are the, the things that are causing, you know, this team to play the, as poorly as they have the last week or so? You know, I think you can point a finger, point the blame finger at anything. You know, I mean, even, you know, last night to play with, uh, you know, the the bases loaded double by uh, Arnado or the double by Arnado last night. Uh, you know, even when they do something, when something goes right, something goes wrong. You know, you've got uh, really – all three guys on that play made a mistake on the bases, you know, on a, on a play when uh, they should have taken the lead on that one. Well, and Stan, too, I, I guess you could look at it as a, as a positive. They did call up Luke and Baker and Jordan Walker. What did you think about those call-ups, and should they have happened a little bit sooner just to give these guys a boost? You know, Luke and Baker, it, it finally happened. I was wondering if that was ever going to happen, what what he was going to have to do to get the call up. So that was that was great to see. And uh, I think we knew Jordan was co- going to come back up. Uh, to me, I don't know if he should have ever gone down. So, uh, yeah, I think he should have been up, back up earlier. And I, I don't think 
he'll be going back down now. I, at least uh, it would really seem to take something extreme to, for him to have to go back down now. Hey, Stan, I've got some old-timey fun here. 1995, the Cardinals fell to 25-36. and 36. They lose to the Cubs. Here is the lineup that Joe Torre employed on June 30th of 1995 as the Cardinals fell to 25-36. and 36. Terry Bradshaw led off. He was the left fielder. Ramon Caraballo was the second baseman. He hit second. Then you had Jordan, Langford, Scott Cooper, and Mabry. Trip Cromer was your shortstop. Pagnazzi behind the plate. And Tom Urbani was your starting pitcher that day as the Cardinals fell to 25-36, and 36, which is, by the way, their record right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's a, that's a lineup. You listen to that lineup and you say, well, maybe it's not that surprising that happened. <laughs> exactly. uh, it's a little bit more surprising now. Absolutely. I mean, when you when you're throwing names out there like uh, Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arnado in the lineup every day and Wilson Contreras, uh, yeah, you don't expect to be 11 under 500 by uh, early June and early June. Well, one of the great things, Stan, about Cardinal Magazine is that you have such a a great ability to talk about the wonderful Cardinal history, and uh, your first issue this year was sensational. What do you have coming up with the next Cardinal Magazine? Oh, we've got the new issue. We'll be in the ballpark uh, this weekend, and uh, we're pretty excited about it. Uh, We've got to look at at the old. Uh, We went uh, behind the scenes with Adam Wainwright uh, when he went on his uh, minor league rehab tour. And we've got some of the some of the young with uh, Nolan Gorman on the cover and a, a very nice feature on uh, Mason Wynn, the, the shortstop who's who's knocking on the door in Memphis. So uh, that's certainly one you don't want to miss. Stan, what are your thoughts on Mason, and and do you expect to see him this year, or, or are we going to be looking at uh, start of next season? That's a great question. I hope we see him at some point this year. You know. Uh, it seems like he's if he's not ready, he's very, very close. You know, he's uh, he talks about how he struggled offensively with the bat early this season, but uh, he's he's just he's kind of found his groove. And, uh, you know, we know his glove and his arm. They're definitely ready for the big leagues. And once his bat is and he gets an opportunity, uh, it's, that, that's going to definitely going to be an exciting player. He is fun to watch. Hey, Stan, if people want to get a hold of a Cardinal magazine, obviously you mentioned it'll be at the ballpark. What about if they want to go online to get it? It'll be at the ballpark, and it's also at uh, cardinals.com slash magazine. All right. You do great work. Thanks so much for the time. Good to talk to you. We appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you, Stan. Stan McNeil, Cardinals Magazine on 101 ESPN. Ramon Caraballo at least is at least a fun name to say, right? It is. It's Ramon I, I Caraballo. Like, I like Tom Pagnazzi. Pags was a good guy. Yeah, he is a good guy. Yeah, yeah, good Cardinal. Terry Bradshaw, yeah, not probably not, the, not a Hall of Famer like the one that played yeah, for I was the Steelers. Say, he played for the yeah. Cardinals too, huh? Yeah, yeah he's yeah. a good quarterback. Yeah, I think this one was a hitting coach that just got fired. <laughs> oh, uh, and then great. Ramon Caraballo. Uh, BJ hitting third, Langford hitting fourth, Cooper, Scott Cooper, St. Louis, and probably listening right now, hitting fifth. John Mabry hit sixth that day. Trip Cromer, Ozzie was hurt. So Trip Cromer was your shortstop. Pags and John uh, Tom Urbani, who, by the way, went, uh, we could use this now, six innings. He allowed one earned run on seven hits, struck out two, and walked two. But any pitcher would give the Cardinals right now six innings and one run earned? Mm-hmm. We'll take that. Sign Tom Urbani would be our, up. Yeah, he'd, he'd be our number one. <laughs> Sign him up. <laughs> Coming up next, it's Take It or Leave It. Get your text into the Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. 314-399-YOHO! Oli coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. 
It's time for Take It or Leave It. Want to say something? Put it out there. If you like it, you can take it. If you don't, send it right back. Get your text into 314-399-9646 and give us your Take It or Leave It. Brought to you by Gloria Lou Realty. Visit GloriaHasTheBuyers.com and start packing. That's my final offer. Take it or leave it. ESPN. We've already got a lot of response to the text line 314-399-9646-314-399. Yo-ho! Okay, kids, take it or leave it. Paul Goldschmidt, who has a year left on his contract after this with the Cardinals, is a Cardinal longer than Ali Marmol. Ooh. One more time for me. Paul Goldschmidt, who has a year left next year on his contract with the Cardinals, pending an extension, oh. is a Cardinal longer than Ali Marmol is. How old is Paul? 36? 35, I think he's yeah, June he 36, yeah. I'm, I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave it because I I feel that yeah, he'll be 36 this year. Yeah, September. But I feel as though they're going to figure some things out. And and here's my thing, Randy. If if we are to believe that the manager does not even have anything to do with the managing of the game, why would he be why should he be the scapegoat? If you are if if that's the notion, if the front office puts this plan together and you as a manager have a small vote, a a, a not a a big say in things and things happen, how how can that be your fault? Who are you going to bring in? Somebody that doesn't listen to you? No. Well, the, the, that's the, that's why it's a tough question because I, I think at some point, and I always go back to that early June weekend in 1980 when Gussie Bush invited Whitey Herzog out to Grant's Farm and said, what's wrong with my team? And Whitey told him the truth. He said, can you fix it? And Whitey said, yeah. And I think it takes the owner to make this decision. And Whitey got the three-year contract and he fixed things. There's one available person that you know has done it in the past and has won a World Series and turned around a moribund franchise, which the Cardinals How? are at the moment right now. I mean, which, who, who is the, the, the analytically driven team that continuously wins year in, year out? The Dodgers. That's, yeah. that's Championships? Because you said they've yeah. only they've won, won one. one. So yeah. my, my point to that would be is if it's not resulting in championship runs like what the Warriors have put together, mm-hmm. like what the Patriots have put together, obviously those are different sports. Oh, well, Houston started out analytically, and now they veered back to reality with Dusty as their manager. So what is the benefit of having such analytically driven uh you know, a philosophy like that if it's not resulting in championships? Personal That's- power. And rookies, money, yeah, money. money. Yeah, it's money. because you place a value on players. Yes. But again, you look at the teams with the highest payrolls, though. Man, they're winning. It's- do you want to win or do you want to be? Uh, make a decision. That that. <laughs> do you want to win championships? Because yeah. if, if you, you want to win championships, then you got to play the game, and and play and manage in, the game in in game. In, Actually, when in, things exactly, are happening exactly. in game, doesn't matter what walk of life you're in. You can't treat people like numbers. You can't because people are no. people. Because was, then you lose that feel for the yep. players, for the game, and it almost feels like that's what we're seeing right, right. now with the exactly. Cardinals, right? Yep. 
So we were talking to Stan McNeil, and I asked him about uh, Mason Wynn. Take it or leave it. Mason Wynn is here before the before the end of the season, before the trade deadline, and they actually trade away Paul DeYoung and Brendan Donovan or Tyler, Tyler, Tommy Edmond. I will say they trade away DeYoung, but I'll say that Wynn is here by the deadline. Yeah. I'll take it. I, Who's at second base? Tommy Edmond. Every day, Gold Glover. Yep. Can we? Yeah, Gold, Gold Glover. Yeah. Some, yeah. What, what? What was he? Wait, who's playing well, the outfield? What was he playing? <laughs> who's he playing the, the outfield? <laughs> so he wasn't <laughs> playing center field. He was not. No. What about right no, field? He's a terrific center field. What about right field? Um, when yeah, he won the Gold he's, Glove, he played a really good right field. He's when, just when a ball he, player. When he won the Gold Glove, though, he was he, where? he was playing second base. Okay, yeah. so maybe you should put him there. But the, who else? You? He, he's really the best center fielder they have right now. Well, then three outfielders that you're going to play right now. Every day. All right. I'll give you four if you want to platoon Ooh. something. Alec Burleson is not playing in the outfield. Well, okay, so that's... Neither is not Yepes. one. That's not one. Yeah. So you got Mercado. Well, you got Edmund. Yeah. Who else you... We're talking about after the deadline. In, in the outfield, Tommy after Edmund, the deadline. Tommy Edmund plays circles around those guys. After the deadline. When, yeah. After these injuries... When Newt get, gets back, when when Carlson gets back, then those guys are playing ahead of Tommy. And 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 then Tommy Edmonds is your Tommy Edmonds is your second base. Should be your second base. And Dylan Carlson should be returning here soon. Yep. I think he has two more games. Yeah, baseball related. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Let's let's get back here. This is it DC. went from a lot of depth to none quickly. <laughs> quick. No yeah. more infielders in the outfield. I, I'll take no that one. No more. Well, I don't know. Dale Murphy was a really good center fielder, and they moved him from catcher. Craig Biggio played a really good center field. The, there are some guys that just have the ability, just because Tommy Edmond is penciled in or boxed in as uh, an infielder, doesn't mean he's not one of your best defensive outfielders. Okay. Well, I mean, if that were the case, well, I guess injuries have caused him to have to play in that position. Yeah. But it, right. you got to get guys healthy. You do start well, there. Bottom line, you do get guys help. Yeah, but uh, could could the Cardinals should the Cardinals be able to get by with in this situation? Everything else being equal, with Edmund playing the outfield, they have in the past. He, he can play out there. He's he's he, he's he's better than he's better than Burleson out there. Oh, wow. Better than Donovan out there. Randy, that, that's better than Walker. Out there. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right, take it or leave it, guys. By the way, you had the. Stanley Cup championship. You had the playoffs continuing last night. The Panthers still not looking too good so far. Uh, take it or leave it. You really miss Ivan Barbashev, and he's going to get a pretty big payday after his performance for the Golden Knights during this playoff run. 100% take it. I Gosh, he, he does so much, and it made me sad because I think it was JR when we've had him on, and he's mentioned a couple times that this chapter with St. Louis is done. The house is going to be sold if it hasn't been already. That, that chapter is going to be closed, but it makes you really miss a player like that, especially you feel like that's something that is needed moving forward for the Blues. Who do the Blues have right now that's like Barbashev, Sunquist, Sunquist, Steen, or Schwartz? Oh, what, what player do the Blues have right now that's like those guys? Schinner is kind of close, but I not not as much. I think Schinner is probably your number two center right now. Yeah. That was your fourth line in 2019. Yeah, yeah. It just shows how, uh, yeah, especially when you look now. And a few years ago, the the Lightning got Blake Coleman for the stretch run. He won a Stanley Cup with him. 
and then had, had a good playoff and wound up getting a six-year, almost $30 million contract with Calgary. I think Barbie will wind up getting a contract similar to that, probably six years in the, in the vicinity of 30 mil. And the, the Golden Knights that just that much better than the Panthers because they, they look like it. Yeah, <laughs> the they Panthers do. felt like the team of destiny, and now Golden Knights are kind of slapping the hell out of them. Yeah, unbelievable. Good for Petro. All right, what do you got on the text line there, Matthew? Take it or leave it. The Cardinals need a mom's trip. I'll take oh, it. Yeah, yeah. no take doubt it like about the it. Head. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Take it or leave Remember it. Remember the Cavaliers mom's trip with Wesley Purse? No. Oh, do you no. Rant? no. Oh, with. No. Oh, with Wesley Delonte West. No. Yeah, no, 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 no. We don't. No, no. We are, that, no, Randy. No. Why the LeBron James shade doesn't go to that Really? Too far. I'm shocked. Moms are off limits. Yeah, well, apparently not. No. Come on. That's bad. That's bad, guys. Zach Wilson. Thanks for that. Come on. Come on, Zach. Come on. We're we're not going to. That we don't know if it ever happened. <laughs> no, we don't. So we can speculate. There you go. <laughs> Take it or leave it. The Blues, should, the Blues should trade all three of their first rounders and their first rounder next year and Zachary Balduke for the second overall pick and Anaheim should accept it. I'll leave it. That's, that's a lot. That's a little, I mean, that's I, a- I don't think Anaheim's <laughs> giving up the sh- uh, What else did they not giving up Fantilli. <laughs> they're not giving up Fantilli <laughs> yeah. for, for that many picks. I think the Blues maybe get up to like six. With yeah. a couple, with a, all their first round picks from this year in Ball Duke, but yeah. I don't think they're jumping all the way to two. I don't know why Anaheim would do that. If you're going to trade all of that stuff, you want somebody who's. Army said that he wants players between what twenty six and twenty eight or something like that. He want he wants guys in their prime. If he's going to give up that many assets, he's going to want a star in his prime, not mm-hmm. a guy that's probably going to spend another year at Michigan. Take your leave of the Vegas Gold Knights sweep this Stanley Cup final. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to leave that as well. But uh, yeah, they they probably win the next game, and then Miami wins game four, and then they go home and uh, finish it out. Uh, Miami, Florida, in Miami, yeah, in, in Miami. Yeah. This uh, text obviously uh, inspired by Jeff Passan's piece uh, the other day. Take it or leave it. The Cardinals should be sellers at the deadline and have absolutely nothing to sell. Hashtag stuck in purgatory. <laughs> I think that you'd be surprised at what people would think of Flaherty, Montgomery. Montgomery got traded at the deadline last year. Mm-hmm. I, I think the Cardinals actually have some things of value to sell. Not a lot at the deadline, but the, they, they have some things that they could get prospects for. It, are they sellers if they are 12 games under 500? I think there's a, a serious limitation. I, I think that those two pitchers would be among the guys that the Cardinals would sell. And they would have to have McGreevy and, uh, you know, uh, they, they're going to have to have other starting pitching, young pitching that's healthy that they can get a look at. Yeah. Top prospects are also the big currency as well. So you're going to yeah. have to give away. And they, they do have those. But yeah. who are you willing to part with is the question. To what sell? you get in return? To, yeah. Uh, that's the thing is if nobody, you're nobody's you're... trading for Tyler O'Neill, right? No, he's you got to play if somebody's going to trade for you. Uh, uh, that, so that's fair. Are, are they trading away if they uh, trading away Flaherty or Montgomery for prospects? Yeah, well, that's yeah, because you're not going to have him after this year anyway. It might as well get something. Yeah, hopefully. Are you, are you okay? He's playing yeah, around with his microphone. <laughs> 
right, more more than cameras. Uh, yes, because this is a fascinating um, look into the Cardinal fan psyche. Take it or leave it. DeWitt and Moe would rather finish in last place than admit they made huge mistakes by hiring Ollie in their roster construction. I, I'm going to leave that. I, th- that statistic about finishing overall... Last overall. The Cardinals haven't finished last overall since 1918. Every other team in the National League has finished in last place in the league with the worst record in the league at least since 1990. So the Cardinals have gone from 1918. The Braves, last time they finished last in the overall in the league was 1990. And that's a statistic that Mr. DeWitt told me. So he cares about things like that. He cares about the history of this franchise. Mm-hmm. And no, he would not rather finish with the worst. There, there isn't a circumstance in which Bill DeWitt Jr. would rather finish with the worst record in the National League. Randy, Can I throw my own little one? You ain't yeah. first, you last. Uh, take yes. it or leave it. Randy Carricker changing his tune on when Mason Wynn comes up for the Cardinals from April to now shows a lot about how far the Cardinals have fallen. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty dramatic. Hmm. There you go. Intriguing. I was trying to figure out. You're looking over my shoulder. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Eddie. (laughs) Coming up, a week ago we were concerned about the starters, and now (laughs) the bullpen is an issue with the Cardinals. That's coming your way on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. A fresh perspective on the day's top stories. It's the opening drive's fresh take. Brought to you by Schnucks Rewards. Reward yourself. Earn 2% back on every purchase with the Schnucks Rewards app. Low bounces it left side and through base hit. Here comes Simeon. The throw on the way. It's offline. And the Rangers win it! The Rangers did win it last night in the bottom of the ninth, and the Cardinal bullpen has sprung a few leaks while the starting pitching heading into last night had had the best ERA in the majors over the course of a nine-game stretch. Over the last week, we've seen Giovanni Gallegos get hammered on Friday night. We've seen Jordan Hicks take a hit on Saturday, and then obviously last night you had the situation with Ryan Helsley being taken out of the game and Henesis Cabrera allowing the the runs in the, in the ninth inning to allow Texas to win it. And for whatever reason, and here we are, 59 games into the season. Is it 59 or 61? 61. 61 games into the season. The Cardinals can't seem to put everything together. They can't. If you look at the phases as starting pitching, relief pitching, offense, defense, the Cardinals have not had a day this season, I don't think, where they've done everything well at and, once. And fielding. And fielding, uh, it, yeah. It's, it's been one or the other. When the starting pitching is doing well, you get a, a misplay by Paul Goldschmidt. When the, the pitching, the hitting is doing well, your starting pitcher can't get out of the third inning. It, it feels, it's almost like everyone is taking turns finding a way to mess up. I, I, I remember we played a game in Arizona, and we lost to Arizona in 07, and they were a terrible team. And we had more fans in Arizona than they did. Mm-hmm. But we lost that game because it felt like on every offensive series, one person was taking a turn ruining the play. And and you're, you're not going to win. That's one game. This has been happening the entire season, multiple games, one after another, where they just can't all get it together at the same time. And I don't know why that is. I don't know how you fix that. I don't know, you know, what needs to take place for everyone to be dialed in for for one game at a time so that they can so that they can win. And last night, the bullpen actually was good until you got to Cabrera, two and two thirds scoreless frames. Uh, I question 
And I always question why they don't bring Helsley back for a second inning after he had thrown 13 pitches. I just think yeah. that I would be inclined to, especially in a tie game in that situation, and Helsley hasn't pitched in a week. Uh, but the, the Cardinal bullpen... Uh, they, they didn't allow any runs. They, they went three innings on Sunday and didn't allow any runs. It's just the clutch situations where they seem to be getting blown up. Yeah. Well, and to your point, too, that was a question that a lot of people had about Ryan Helsley as well, because he had a seven, what was it, seven games off. And I don't know if you heard during the broadcast, even Jim Edmonds, like he had a vacation off. Yeah, right, like right, it was, yeah. He made like a joke about that, about like how big of a break that was. So you wonder if there's something there health wise. They didn't say anything about that. You just wonder. That's a pretty significant break. Um, just 13 pitches and two punch outs for him, too. And it could have been a matchup thing because there's a couple of lefties coming up as well, too. But at the same time time don't you kind of wonder you know why they didn't bring him out for more than one inning because it seems like too they also don't feel comfortable at times having him pitch back-to-back games yeah I think the Cardinals the the script again doesn't allow for flexibility when you can bring a guy back it's okay we get to the eighth inning Ryan Helsley is going to throw the eighth and then we're going to have another guy for the ninth not accounting for the idea that Helsley could have only 13 pitches in an inning because we're pretty rigid in our script here and this is what happens when you don't have a manager managing the game Mm, yeah, it, it, honestly, though, it felt like after that base running mistake, I wasn't expecting them to kind of come away with a win, right? No. I, maybe it, and maybe that was just me. As soon as I saw that happen, I was like, well, there you go. I, I already know how this thing is going to end. The They're going to find had, a way right, to lose. They should have had all the momentum, right? But that made it feel like when Edmund gets caught in the rundown and tagged out, it made it feel like the, the momentum was in Texas's favor. Yes. It's unfortunate because, as you said, that, that moment – you know, you never know when when that moment is going to take place where, you know, you could score an extra run or you could put yourself up by more runs that are needed. And and I guess at that time, that would have gave them the lead. But just tying the game felt good. But you wanted to have that extra run. And the base running mistakes was – it was just horrendous. It was not good baseball. It was not good fundamentals. And it cost you the game. And, and one thing I said earlier, the Texas Rangers playing smart baseball. They get a runner to second. And then you got the Cardinals with as, as much of a shift as you can get nowadays. You know, uh, the, the, the hitter low hits it to the opposite field, hits it away from where the shift is, and then they score. It's Other teams are showing us – the fundamental side of baseball, and and we are, at times, I think we played well during that 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 streak um, last month, but at times, all in all, it's not every single day. It's not the fundamentals that are needed in order to win games. And baseball is long; it's mundane, so you have mm-hmm. to be dialed in the entire game. It just has to be, and if you're not, uh, you're going to have trouble winning those games. By the way, we we should mention as we talk about the struggles of the bullpen. This is nine consecutive scoreless outings for Jordan Hicks. I know there's a lot of consternation out there about Jordan Hicks. I don't know where that's coming from. Nine straight scoreless outings for Jordan Hicks, who's been the best guy over the course of the last couple of weeks. Yes, he was was terrible to start the season, and I think he would tell you that. It wasn't good, and he figured some things out, and and he's not walking as, as many guys, and he's not allowing the number of hits or the number of earned runs, which is what you want to see from a guy that is coming in uh, from the bullpen. There was one other thing, Randy Brooke, that I saw yesterday that I, I, I will give. I don't normally blame anyone, but the umpire behind the plate, 
the 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 Rangers pitcher was getting that ball just outside of the strike zone, called a strike often, and oftentimes when Wayno was hitting that same spot, it was called a ball. So that can lead to some frustration too. I'm, I'm sure Wayno threw more pitches than he felt he should have mm-hmm. in that outing yesterday. And when you're throwing those pitches in the same spot that the opposing pitcher is getting called strikes, now you got to come back over to the middle of the plate just a little bit more. And I don't remember what inning it was, but he gave up, looked like four or five hits in a row and just kept yeah, getting knocked second, around. Yep. Second inning, yeah, just just kept getting knocked around. But that call, you know, and, and you know, us coaches and, and players, we don't ever place it solely on on officiating. But that ump was was it, it was it was troubling just to see that the opposing pitcher was getting that call. But Wayno wasn't. Yeah, it's. Whatever can go wrong, it's Murphy's Law. Whatever can go wrong for the Cardinals this year is going wrong. That is today's Fresh Take here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got the Bird Watch on the opening drive with Brooke, Carey, and Randy. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. We're flying down to the field to give you the latest on your St. Louis Cardinals. This is Bird Watch on the opening drive. For the bird watch, a little item about your well, the St. Louis Cardinals, uh, Kerry Davis. There's your bird. What do you got? Well, I'm gonna, yeah, Randy. We we can pick any position, any uh, part of the game. I, I, but I'm gonna stick with the outfield. <clears throat> Excuse me. And you know, we talked about Oscar Mercado, who came up. He had a fanti- fantastic first game, and and has cooled off a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, Jordan Walker is back. You got Tommy Edmond, who right now is the second baseman. The the Gold Glove second baseman is probably, as you said, your best outfielder. I, I guess my my concern question. We, I talked about Brendan Donovan and that throw home uh, offline, which, in my opinion, if he is an everyday outfielder, I think you make that play, and I think that play is closer at the plate um, and doesn't allow Texas to score that run, or or at least makes it a closer play. <clears throat> and so. Then you, then I'm looking at, at at Juan Yepes and Alec Burleson, and my question to you all is: as far as this outfield goes, now that O'Neill is hurt, now that D- uh, Dylan Carlson is hurt, now that Lars Newbar is hurt, where is the depth, and who are you looking at to help this team both offensively and defensively? Because right now it's it's one or the other, and it's not been both, and so it, it's. You're in a position if you're the Cardinals because of the injuries, which obviously you expect one of those guys to get hurt, but you don't mm-hmm. expect all three to get hurt when they're all uh, starters or starter quality players. It's just trying to figure out is there is there depth? Is, is Moises Gomez the depth that you need? Is he a guy that can come up and and provide uh, depth in the outfield and at the at the plate? Because Alec Burleson isn't playing every day. Neither is Juan Yepes. Both the, both of those guys need to have at bats. You got to find something or someone that can help this team in the outfield right now because they're struggling in that position. And I think what you have to do is just kind of try to buy time until Dylan, Dylan Carlson's back. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Is he the? Is he going to be the 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 answer? To well, at least he'll be defensively. Yes, in, center in center field, field he'll yes. he'll settle things down. Yes. Ugh. Offensively, that that is a big question, question mark. That's a big question mark. Which my bird watch, kind of playing off of that offensively. You brought up Moises Gomez. I just want to point out that he has 14 home runs this season, so that would be kind of helpful because this is pretty interesting. Valley Sports Midwest put out this stat last night. 
kind of referring to the cold bats. The last 11 games, the Cardinals are averaging two and a half runs a game, batting below 200 at 195. Average with runners in scoring position, also below 200 at 145. They have left 76 men on base. Also, another stat that I feel like kind of plays into that, the Cardinals are now 6-14 and 14 in one-run games. That's pretty bad. That tells you about your bullpen and your clutch hitting, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah, it's... Uh... Well, there's there are some things that are left to be desired by this particular ball club. Yeah, and especially going back to, I know we were talking about it earlier, the roster and the names that you have on this team, some of the superstars that you have, especially you expect more production-wise out of, I feel like, a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. No doubt about it. And to those points, Brooke, when you lose one-run games, it's because the little things aren't happening. The little things are not happening for the Cardinals, who right now, as we speak, have the fourth worst defense, according to the defensive run saved stat in Major League Baseball. Meanwhile, the Rangers, who last year were 20th in defensive run saved, they hire Bruce Bochy. He brings in a coaching staff and they're third in defensive runs saved with essentially the same group of players. There is something to be said for having a manager and coaching staff that really focuses on the fundamentals and the little things that help you win one-run games and turn 6-14 and 14 around to 14-6. and six. We tend to focus on, okay, well, this day it was the bullpen, this day it was the starting pitcher, this day it was the offense. But if you really want to win one-run games, what you do is you don't lose runners on the base pass, like the Cardinals did last night, and you play great defense like... The Rangers did last night. If you can do the little things to prevent yourself from losing, most times in baseball, the other team is going to do something to lose it. And the Cardinals are now the team that does the little things to lose the game. Yeah, I think teams are just kind of waiting around. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. It happens every day. You, you've shown that. You've shown that you have an inability to finish games, to play the entire game through, and teams can – I don't want to say wait around, but they know that the mistake is going to happen at some point on your end. And and psychologically, Randy, Randy you start to believe it as well yep. as a team. <laughs> when that base running mistake happened, there's a part of them that said, oh, man, here we go. Because we didn't get that other run across, and now the game is tied as opposed to us being ahead. It, it, it just feels different. And so they are they are in a place now where teams feel that way about them and potentially they're starting to feel that way about themselves as well. It's just not clean baseball, right? And as you're saying too, CD, when you're not playing clean baseball, you're going to get exposed a lot and teams who are playing clean baseball are going to expose you. And that's exactly what happened with the Rangers and sadly also with the Pirates too. <laughs> you know, I yeah. mean, like you can't say the Pirates are the Pirates that we've seen kind of in recent years where you chalked it up to like an easy win. Well, they're, clearly they're, they're kinda... better than the Cardinals though, at least according to the Cardinal manager. <laughs> Doesn't that make you feel better? Doesn't that make you no. feel better, right? Yeah, you know what? I'd rather give <laughs> games away and have something that I could fix than say, yeah, we just got beat by a team that was better than us. I, I would rather have things that I could fix that would say, you know what, we, we're better than them. We just have to fix some things. Yeah, yeah. And I hate, by the way, <laughs> one of the phrases, Jeff Fisher, thank you very much, was, yeah, we'll, we'll fix that. We'll clean that up. I don't like it. But at least 
At least you say it. Yeah, at, at least, least you, you say, say it. Say right? it. Right? If you say it and don't do it, what difference does it make? That makes me feel better Did about he, the future. For that day. And then you see it the following yeah. Sunday. You're like, this guy is doing the same damn thing. <laughs> well, it's bad when he, when he does the same damn thing. But you know it where is. I did hear that from last night? Even if you looked at last night, too, and even this, this past weekend, I did hear that from some of the comments coming out of the clubhouse where players were taking a lot of accountability. Interesting, because I didn't hear that from the manager's office, really. I'd, and that's another thing is, and I know that it's it drives me crazy sometimes when a coach or manager says, "Yeah, it's all on me. It's all on me. It's all on me. I got to do a better job." But sometimes it kind of is on you, and it, it would be good to say, you know what? I just have to do a better job of having our team prepared to do the little things to win games. To me, the best managers, the best coaches are the ones that hold their players, their team accountable, hold themselves accountable. Basketball, we were watching the NBA playoffs, obviously the finals. Mike Malone ripped into his team Mm -hmm. and then went to the media and told them, I just ripped into them because of how poorly they played. They know it was soft. They know they weren't tough. They got out physical. Everything about this game plan is not who we are. And I told them that, and now I'm telling you that. And I'm pissed off about it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes as a coach, as a manager, you have to let guys know this ain't good enough. This is not what I taught you. This is not what we work on. This is these are not the the drills and the the the, the detailed things that we do every single day and you're not following through with it. So at some point the manager has to lay into the guys and has to be able to say, "Hey, we stink right now and our guys know that they stink and they got to be better." They are professional players. That's the yeah. end of it. Well, you have to advocate for your players and you have to hold them accountable, yes. right? Yeah. And that's that's where, and of course, we're not in the clubhouse knowing exactly what those conversations are like, but it does seem like when you are pretty transparent with the media with calling out certain players, but not others in certain ways mm-hmm. too, then the message seems to be a little bit confusing. And I'm sure that could be confusing in the clubhouse as well. No doubt. And that will frustrate players. you Well, you probably... You probably had a coach somewhere along the line where the the communication level. Let, let's go to the Monty Williams example. The the speculation in Phoenix was that Monty Williams was fine with the star players, but mm-hmm. didn't really communicate well with the role players. Yeah, you have to communicate with everybody. You do if you want to be a good coach or good manager. You have to be able to have a relationship. And now the relationship is not going to be the same with Ben Roethlisberger as it is with Kerry Davis mm-hmm. because Ben's getting paid just a little bit more than me. Mm-hmm. So I, I, but we understand that. But the the respect and the the understanding for what the work needs to be done, we all are on the same page. So yeah, you have to be able to communicate with everybody on the roster, everybody on the team, and be able to have those relationships and be able to hold those players accountable. I can't hold you accountable if I don't have a relationship with you because mm-hmm. now it feels like. Like I'm, I'm just on you all the time. But yeah. if you and I have a relationship, we talk, we communicate. Now when you aren't performing to the level that I expect you to, I can tell you. And you can say, you know what, Coach, you're right. I got it. My bad. I'll do better. As opposed to, man, here we go again. Because we don't have a relationship at all to begin with. So 
it starts with that relationship and making sure guys are all on the same page. Because it's kind of the same thing with a workplace, right? If you have a manager or leader that is just going to pick apart or micromanage the employees, but they can't look internally and say, well, I'm the one that hired you. I'm the one that believes you. I'm the one that brought you in. And I'm obviously not doing something as a manager or kind of leader of this organization to get the best out of you. You have to look at yourself internally because then you're also going to lose people in the way of it's like, oh, man, I, I cannot find, uh, you know, I can pick this person apart, but I can't look at what I'm doing as a manager, as a leader to say, what am I not doing that it's not working out in the way that I want it to for that person? And Brooke, we know the answer, though. Yeah, It's a what? great Coach Venturi line. I'm not mad at you. <laughs> mad at the guy that brought you here? <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's true. Oh, man. Uh, Brooke dominated in the fight yesterday, and uh, so I'm back, and now the pressure's really on me. Congratulations, Brooke. Yeah, got all four yesterday. Somebody wow. somebody texted in that you should give me a gift basket, and I will gladly take a yes. carrot cake instead. Oh. If you want to just bring a carrot cake for uh, the an group. An entire carrot cake. I'll bring yeah. a carrot cake for everybody. Oh, oh. So cool. I, I will do that. You guys have earned it. You guys are doing great work. So yes, I, I will. Uh, by the end of this week, you will have a carrot cake, uh, a Traeger carrot cake in your possession. Matthew, do you already have a fighter? We do have a fighter, and uh, we will have the fight coming your way next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome to the Opening drive. I'm Kerry Davis, joined by Brooke Grimsley, and it is time for the fight. And our fighter today is Brian. Brian, how you doing? Uh, you know, I'm doing pretty good, guys. How are you doing? We're doing great. Good. We're doing good. Are you ready to take on Megamind? Lucky for you, you don't have to take on Brooke. She went. Uh, she <laughs> no, went I'm for done. the Jack yesterday. I'm, I'm retired now. <laughs> that wasn't an impressive fight yesterday. I must say. There you yeah, go. I was. I'm retired now. So that that would be it. That was one and only time. <laughs> All right, Brian. Here we go. Which blue skater was tied for the overall points lead in the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs? Was it Alex Petrangelo, Vladimir Tarasenko, or Ryan O'Reilly? Oh, 2019, eh? So, that would have been Tarasenko or O'Reilly. And I want to say it was the Conn winner, Ryan O'Reilly. Who is the only pitcher in Cardinals history to log 40-plus saves three times? Jason Isringhausen, Lee Smith, or Trevin Rosenthal? Well, I have to go with the obvious of Lee Smith. All right, who is the only player in NFL history to tally multiple 20-plus sack seasons? J.J. Watt, Reggie White, or Bruce Smith? The almighty J.J. Watt, final answer. Which Hall of Famer holds the four highest live ball era batting averages in Cardinals history? Is it Stan Musial, Jim Bottomley, or Rogers Hornsby? I'm sorry, you cut out. Can I get that question one more time? 
Yeah. Which Hall of Famer holds the four highest live ball era batting averages in Cardinals history? Stan Musial, Jim Bottomley, or Rogers Hornsby? Stan the man of usual. All right, we'll double-check those scores, and we'll bring in Randy Carricker. Brian, how you feeling? Well, I mean, it was a little shaky, let's put it that way. But at least this time I didn't get a rock random question of shoot. <laughs> those will throw you off. Those, those will throw you off. You and Randy. Yeah, ask That's about. how I lost last time. Oh. Hmm. Oh. Rock, oh, he said a rock random rock? question is how he lost last time. What's unfortunately, a, what's, it's, it's trivial. What's a, what, what's deemed a random question? What that? What, what are we doing? Oh, no, he's saying you deem a random question. With, with, uh, home run what, derby. Question? Go ahead. No, it was it was about shoes and Adidas and Puma, Sam Smith. That's a great oh, question. That's a I fantastic remember that question. one. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a next level question. That's a next level Randy, question. Randy, say hello to Brian. Brian, good morning. How you doing? Good morning, Randy. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for listening. Thanks for playing. We appreciate it. He held on to that Puma Nike shoe, <laughs> Sam. Did not forget about that. Forget about yeah. that. I did. <laughs> 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 All right, Randy. Here we go. Yeah. Which blue skater was tied for the overall points lead in the 2019 Stanley Cup Finals? Tied for the. This is the overall league lead in uh, playoff points in 2019. Is it? Yeah. It's Ryan O'Reilly. Who is the only pitcher in Cardinals history to log 40 plus sa- <coughs> excuse me saves three times? Uh, that would be Hall of Famer Lee Arthur Smith, who had more than 43 different times. He was good. He should have been in the Hall of Fame way before he was. One of my favorite players. Great. Up. Who is the only player in NFL history to tally multiple 20-plus sack seasons? Multiple 20-plus sack seasons. I believe... If I'm not mistaken, that it's the recently retired uh, Houston Texans, Arizona Cardinals performer, J.J. Watt. We may have had this question in the past. I don't know, but it, hmm. we may have. I, th- I think it's J.J. Watt. I thought you said you forget about the questions. Well, I forget about stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> okay, which I'd, Hall of Famer? If I got it right, it was a good question. There you go. Okay. I, I like that policy. All right, which Hall of Famer holds the four highest live ball era batting averages in Cardinals history? When did the light ball era start? 1920. 1920. Four highest. Okay, so I'm saying that Hornsby was pre-light ball era. So I will have to go. I'll do the lifeline just in case, Brooke. Okay. Stan Musial, Jim Bottomley, Rogers Hornsby. Okay, Hornsby would be pre-1920. So as Stan the man had a career 331 average. So I'm going to go with the chalk here and say that since 1920, the four highest batting averages for the Cardinals. This is the question. The four highest batting averages for the Cardinals, right? In the live ball era since 1920. I will go with, uh, okay, I'm getting a nod. Yes, I will go with uh, Stan the Man. All right, we have a tie in today's fight. Really good fight here between Randy and Carrie. I swear to God, you put those eyes down. (laughs) 
swear to God, Carrie, we, stop it right we, now. We both we both looked over at each other. We both Brian looked over Brian and Randy with a great fight today, and we're gonna go into a tiebreaker, and nothing else funny is gonna happen. <laughs> <laughs> Brian, you played the fight before, but just in case you didn't have to do the tiebreaker last time, mm. here is the rules. It's gonna be closest to the pin. I will read out the question, then we will give Randy Carricker a moment to write down his answer. Then we'll have you say your answer audibly. Randy Carricker will say what he wrote down, and then we will give the answer again. Whoever is close to the pin wins this fight. Brian, do you understand those rules? Yes, sir. All righty then. Randy Carricker, do you have your piece of paper? I'm ready. Albert Pujols owns the all-time Major League Baseball record for grounded into double plays. How many total times did Albert Pujols ground into a double play across his illustrious 22-year career? Pools owns the all-time MLB record for grounded into double play. How many total times did he do that in his 22-year career? We are waiting for Randy Carricker to write down his answer here. Randy Carricker has his answer written down. Brian, what is your guess, sir? A lot. <laughs> no, I'm going to go with 201. All right, Randy Carricker, what was your guess? I went with 250, sir. This was close. Did Randy get a a little bit of price and write it here, or does he walk away a winner in this one, and do I get to keep the hair on my scalp? (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, ring that bell. The winner and still champion of the fight, Randy Carricker. The fight is presented by Golf Discount of St. Louis. With the most experienced club fitters in town. Why shop anywhere else? Just win, baby. There it is. I'm sorry, Brian. Randy just got you the correct answer. Albert Pujols with the all-time Major League Baseball record with 426 rounded into double there, yeah. plays. So 250 with Randy over the 201. Gets Randy the win on the closest to the pin, Brian. But a great fight there. It was a 3-3 tie going into the tiebreaker. That's a hard one to get to. Dang, I had uh, I thought I was right there. Yeah, you were you were right there. Let's go through those answers. Which blue skater tied the overall points lead for the 2019 Stanley Cup playoffs? It was in fact Ryan O'Reilly. He tied with Brad Marchand with 23. But of course, the winner goes the con- to the uh, to the winner goes the Conn Smythe Trophy. The only pitcher in Cardinals history to log 40 plus saves three times is in fact Lee Smith three different times. Of course, the all time Cardinals save um, number is uh, owned by Trevor Rosenthal, who is the only player in NFL history to tally multiple 20 plus sack seasons. This is in fact J.J. Watt doing it twice in his career. And which Hall of Famer holds the four highest live ball era batting averages in Cardinals history? Rodgers Hornsby's career is one of the careers that dictates the beginning of the live ball era. His four, um, his four 400 batting averages in 24, 22, and 25 are the top three, followed by his 397 in 1921. Rodgers Hornsby, the answer on the last one, but again, Albert Pools, 426 grounded into double plays. Thank you so much for joining the fight and joining the show today, Brian. Thank you, guys. Have a great Tuesday. You too. Thank, Thank you, Brian. You. Appreciate it. Good to have you with us on 101 ESPN. Coming up here after the fight, we're going to uh, hear some of the things that John Denton had to say about the Cardinals and the struggles that they're enduring and some of the weird things that are happening around the 2023 Cardinals. That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. like there's a little sense of dread with this team. You know, in April, it didn't matter what button they pushed. A lot of nights, Ali Marmol pushed the totally right button, and it blew up right in his face. 
Uh, you know, I, I know there was a lot of anger towards him. A lot of nights he was doing the exact right thing, and it just wasn't turning out. And, you know, this weekend in Pittsburgh, it almost felt that way. If, you know, once the ball got to rolling the wrong way, uh, it, w- it went downhill fast on this team. And, you know, these are supreme professional athletes, but they go through battles of confidence, too. They lose their confidence. Uh, you know, it, it looked like a rattled team this week, and it looked like a team that, that maybe didn't believe. That is MLB.com's John Denton. He covers the Cardinals for Cardinals.com and does a really good job. And I can see where there would be a crisis of confidence. But I want to go back to the button pushing on the start of Ollie, on the on the point of Ollie. Because a lot of times during the regular season, doesn't matter who your manager is, during the regular season, you you count on your team's ability just to play well. What you implemented in terms of their habits, in terms of their fundamentals in spring training, plays out over the course of 162. And then it's the moves you make, the buttons that you push, that make managers Hall of Fame managers in the postseason. Tony, Whitey, Torrey, Bochi, uh, Bobby Cox, uh, th- those guys, the, the Dick Williams, uh, the, the, those, those guys are in the Hall of Fame because of the moves that they made to outmanage people during the postseason. My issue is never with the buttons. Well, I shouldn't say never, because like last night, I, I think that it would have been reasonable to bring back Ryan Helsley. But I'm not going to rip Ali Marmol for not bringing Helsley back for the ninth inning. I, I think that is part of what the plan was for the Cardinals. And maybe they just aren't comfortable with bringing Helsley back for a second inning of work. My bigger issue, guys, is that I think the Cardinals are playing at a level that's less than the sum of their parts. I don't. Th- I don't think the talent here is being maximized. I don't think that the talent is this bad. I think these players have the ability to play better, and I don't think that for whatever reason, Gary, I know that you think it's players. I tend to think that teaching and uh, and, and fundamentals are a big part of this. For whatever reason, I don't think this group is playing as a unit as well as they're capable of. Yeah, well, I mean, even look at, you know, to John Denton point, uh, John Denton's point, too. We weren't in the trip in Pittsburgh. He was around the clubhouse. He got to feel the energy of it. But you can even see it during the course of a game, right? You brought up Paul DeYoung earlier, just how angry that he looked. You know, you, you even see Nolan Arenado, how his demeanor has kind of go, gone back to what we saw from him in early April, right, where he mm-hmm. just looked very visibly frustrated. And that is something, just real quick on Nolan Arenado, is a little bit concerning because we saw what happened with him in the Rockies, right? Yep. Where he was, what was he frustrated with with the Rockies? Yeah, they didn't get enough players. They didn't support him enough to get to wins. Win. Yes, they. He felt like they weren't making the team competitive enough to even try to win or compete for a championship. So you know that Nolan Arenado has that history of where he expects that the level of player that he is is typically better than what we have seen recently. You can see the visible frustration from him. That's a leader. That's a superstar. The other players are going to kind of fall in line with that as well too, where you can feel the visible frustration and where guys are just not clicking right now. And that is up to the coaching staff and the manager and the front office, the the guys who put this roster together to make sure that you get things back on track. I love Nolan Arenado, but he's got to look in the mirror, right? If he's frustrated, he's got to look in the mirror because the team plays well when he's playing well and it yes. doesn't play well when he's not playing well. He is clearly the bell cow of this franchise. Yeah, it, it is on him. And, you know, he got a big hit yesterday, but unfortunately they only scored one run off of it. They mm-hmm. couldn't get to which they needed both of them. And, I mean, there is a level of frustration 
for everyone. I'm sure everyone is frustrated because when you're not winning, as I said earlier, it just feels like a snowball going downhill. Anything that can go wrong, as you said, will go wrong. And they are in a position right now where um, you know, there aren't there the timely hitting isn't there, or the base running isn't there, the the fielding isn't there. And not one person can get them out of it. It has to be a collective group to understand each man has to play better in order for them to all be better. And here's what Nolan Arenado had to say after last night's loss. You know, right when I hit it, I saw him kind of run back. It was a close play, but I saw it ricochet off the wall. So I thought, you know, I just made the mistake of, like, putting my head down and just going. Um, you know, I made that mistake. I should have kept my head up or just see what's in front of me. But I saw it ricochet, so I thought, like, for sure I can get going. And then when he threw the ball in, he over, you know, he over hit the cutoff, man. So I thought, like, that just meant everyone was going to score. But uh, I messed up there. I uh, I got to run, run with my head up. And, uh, you know, I feel like I take a lot of pride in my base running. I know I'm not really fast in base stealing, but trying not to make too many mistakes. But uh, I feel bad because uh, Wilson would have came up with, uh, you know, guys in scoring position with less than two outs. So I kind of messed up there. He does. He did make a mistake. There's no doubt about it. But I can accept acts of commission and aggressiveness. I can't accept acts of omission. And I thought the 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 biggest mistake on the play was made by Gorman. Mm-hmm. And he's a young player. He's 23 years old. He's a second year in the major leagues. Maybe that won't happen again. But for Gorman not to be running off the bat, that ball was there was no way that ball was going to get caught by the left fielder. And so for Gorman not to be running off the bat is what cost the Cardinals the run. Well, I mean, could you blame all three of them? I mean, you could Gorman for not running, Tommy Edmond for not continuing mm-hmm. to run, and, and Nolan obviously took the blame for, for what he, his part in it as well. That's three players that if they all do something differently, the result is different. So it, it's it's just kind of how this team is going right now, how the, the this part of this season is going at this moment. Can you guys foresee now, as we sit here 61 games in, we're on June 6th, you get Carlson back, and whoever is playing shortstop, whether DeYoung or Edmund. Let's just assume it's Paul DeYoung at short. Who? Hannes White. Oh, oh okay. yes. And, yes. And, and, I know, I don't, I don't know. And Edmund at second. <laughs> so you've got your corner guys, and it's either Contreras or Kisner behind the plate. You can you can put, patch together your ideal scenario. Can you imagine a scenario, though, with your even your ideal scenario where this team turns it around and wins 16 out of 22? I, I just don't see it right now. It boils down to, to pitching. Timely pitching, not allowing Brooke. You talked about it. Miles Michaelis is leading the league in in hits allowed. Jordan Montgomery was sixth, and uh, uh, Wayne was right around the corner. And then Matt's was too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you got guys that are pitching to contact, but the contact is hard. is is hard contact, and it's getting through the infield. It's getting over the fences, and it's it's hitting the gaps in the outfield. So. I don't know if pitch to contact is who they are at this moment because there's not enough fielding behind them to to make sure that those outs become those hits become outs. Well, and also too, as you mentioned, there pitching timely hitting too. That once again, I think, just goes back to maximizing the most out of this roster and the talent that is on this roster, finding a way to get these guys to come together, work as a group. I thought this was a great question that Katie Wu posed last night on Twitter. Um, with the biggest question right where the Cardinals is, what is fair to expect production-wise out of their current roster? Did you just scrape what you've seen so far? What do you expect production-wise out of this current roster? 
Well, if you give me the infield that they have and a catcher that's been a world championship catcher, and I think Jordan Walker is a very talented player that needs to be polished at the major league level, but I've seen teams win a World Series with a rookie playing right field. Uh, And then when you look at what the pitchers that are in their prime have accomplished in their careers, when you look at what... Michaelis, and Michaelis, by the way, is terrific, even though he leads the league and hits a lot. He's been great. Uh, Jordan Montgomery has been great in the past. I think Flaherty is probably a middle-of-the-rotation guy now because I don't think he's ever come over, ever overcome the shoulder injury, and that's led to inconsistency. Wainwright is a number 5 starter at this point in his career, so hopefully Libertor can be a 4. Should that be a group that... If they perform well from game one to game 162, is a 93-94 win group? Absolutely, it should be. Same th- thing with the bullpen. When you look at the talent of Jordan Hicks and Gallegos and Cabrera and Helsley, it should be a bullpen that preserves leads for you. They shouldn't be 13 saves, 13 blow- blown saves. So I think high expectations are very reasonable for this group of players. Yes, I, I agree too. And it's been below expectations. Fundamentals, the... Cardinals way, whatever that might be now, it just seems like that's gone the other way, not the Cardinals way. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I agree. I, it's There's so much talent on this roster that you're kind of trying to figure out why they are playing at the level that they are. Even before the injuries to the outfield, you had it was still kind of this same mode of, of of not performing particularly well every single night out. And, mm-hmm. again, it starts with the starting pitching, those guys performing six innings minimum, six, seven if, you, if you're feeling really good. The bullpen getting in, and uh, was it Denton or was it um, Stan McNeil said he was hitting all of the right buttons early on, but those guys, yeah, yeah. Th- those guys yeah. just weren't performing at the level that they needed to. There, I mean, there was a time where Gallegos was the one to bring in, and then he blew up in the inning. Mm-hmm. Then yeah. Cabrera was the guy to bring in because he had had such a great outing the first, last couple, of, and then he blew up, and then Helsley, and then Hicks. And so it, you can't blame that on the manager because he's basing it off of how well you've performed up until that point, and then you blow up on him, and it, there's really no answer for that. So it, it boils down to the players deciding, hey, man, I'm not going to leave this ball over the middle of the plate. You ask for it down, I'm going to throw it in the dirt and and cover it up, mm-hmm. make sure it doesn't get past you. Trusting one another. I think that there's a, a little bit of lack of trust right now throughout this entire team, and, and maybe the World Baseball Classic had something to do with it because guys don't have that time in spring training to get familiar with each other, not only on the field but off the field. But it's just it's a lot of things that are taking place that, that – you normally don't see from a Cardinals team. And, um, you know, a lot of teams are dealing with that as far as World Baseball Classic, but it seems to be impacting the Cardinals a lot right now. And that's why I said it feels worse than April in some ways. And look, I know it's very early on in June, and we're tired of hearing the early, but in some ways this feels worse than April because in April you could make those excuses of the World Baseball Classic and all that stuff. As I said earlier, right now, 61 games in, this is not the level of play that you should be expecting where we still have question marks with all of those different things when it comes to hitting, pitching, outfielders. We shouldn't have all those questions, I feel like, still not figured out or at least trending in a positive direction in a lot of ways where you feel comfortable about it in June, too. The Cardinals will play the Rangers again tonight and then tomorrow night. Then they'll go to London and take on the Cubs. If the Cardinals win 10 in a row... They'll get to within a game of 500. Nice. 
There we go. That's sunshine Ooh. and lollipops. Yeah, yeah, we're thinking about it. That's a lot. That's a lot to overcome. Yeah. <laughs> Brooke, uh, but I'm going to give you one of my biggest regrets because I love the guy. One of my biggest regrets in broadcasting was I was a young broadcaster in 1985 and I was applying my Lindenwood logic. Okay. And Hanny had a team where he said, you know, we're a really talented team. And then at some point uh, uh, elsewhere in the interview, he said, the guys are just playing their asses off. So I'm thinking to myself, and I said this on the air, okay. And I played the cuts. We got a really talented team. Guys are playing their asses off. <laughs> and they're like, they're <laughs> headed towards 5 and 11. And I played the two cuts, and then I say, well, what else is there? <laughs> what else is, what do you, what is missing? You got talent. You guys work, got guys working hard. What's missing? So, and, and as it turns out, that, t- that that team that year had a major drug problem. Oh, and that's why I felt bad about it. But uh, that's, that's one of the questions I ask. Okay, they got talent. If the manager tells me they're playing hard, what else is there? That's my question of the day. Hmm. Uh, it's the opening drive on 101 ESPN. Coming up, we've got our rush hour reset. We've got a phone bulletin. The Flash apparently official. Can you play the, the PGA Tour has agreed to merge with Live Golf. Oh. According to C- CNBC, wow. the PGA Tour has agreed to merge with the rival Live Golf League. That is shocking. Newsworthy. Yeah, I, I, really I double is. check because Twitter's crazy right now. Uh, that's, that's CNBC now with 782,000 followers. So I feel like. That's amazing. And right, right now, all they have on their website is just the, a blurb that PGA Tour agreed to merge with saudi back rival Live Golf in a deal that would see the comp- competitors squash pending litigation and move forward as a larger golf enterprise. And that's all they got. Check back for details later. That's amazing. Okay, cool. We'll talk about that in our Rush Hour Reset coming up on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. It's time to recap the biggest sports stories of the day on the opening drive with a rush hour reset. Brought to you by Clubhouse Turf, your exclusive partner of Celebrity Greens. We're redefining private golf. High fly ball hit down the left field line in the corner at the wall. It's off the wall. We got a relay race between second and third. Driving Flying toward the plate. Now Arenado's in a third. Edmund in a rundown between third and home. Just go back. Just go back to third. Stay and there. they tag him out. The Cardinals get the game tied on a bullet off the wall in left. Everybody held up at second. Arenado saw Edmund flying behind the back of Nolan Gorman. His head was down. And the Cardinals wind up with one run on an Arenado <laughs> double down in Texas last night. They lose in the bottom of the ninth on a Nathaniel Lowe base hit to allow the Rangers to win the game 4-3 in the opener of a three-game series. Just not a good night for the Cardinals. Not a good weekend for the Cardinals after they lost three in Pittsburgh. But, okay, there is a positive to be drawn from all of this. And that is that the Cardinals did really well at the plate. Here's their manager, Ali Marmol. <laughs> yeah, I feel like we uh, actually lined out quite a bit. You look at the three runs they got, and you look at our at-bats, and you tell me which ones you want over time, and I guarantee you you're taking ours. Uh, we lined out quite a bit, and then uh, a lot of the, theirs fell in. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter. They won, we lost. Um, but if you're talking about quality of at-bats, we actually took some pretty good ones. Yeah, I don't know. 
know, Ali, all due respect, I, I think I'd rather have the ones that fall in that score runs. <laughs> uh, that's yeah. just me. I, I prefer <laughs> runs to really good at-bats and lineouts. I just do. It's, I don't, Maybe that has something to do with my old school ways of actually enjoying winning. Because as far as I know, and maybe this has changed, maybe the rules have changed in baseball. Maybe launch angle and exit velocity are what wins World Series now. Maybe if you have the best launch angle, the best exit velo, maybe that allows you to win the World Series now. But I haven't seen that rule change yet. <laughs> It, it, yeah, it's um, it's a little it, you almost want to say like reading the room sometimes is a little bit missing and like the nuances mm-hmm. of what's being said in the postgame. Because I don't think what that comment to that we, we talked about a lot yesterday when it comes to, yeah, we were just swept by the Pirates. This is it. You know, this is an April all over again. Sometimes just reading the room of that's not exactly what people want to hear. And I know that you got to keep things close to the vest. I, I'm fully aware of that and I respect that a lot, too. But at the same time, when people are looking for a sense of urgency. You even had Adam Wainwright talk about that last night in his postgame, too, about looking for a sense of urgency from this group as well. It, you you want to hear that, right? You want to hear so that you can at least be comforted in, all right, 61 games in, something is at least that sense of urgency, that anger is there as well that you're feeling from the players and also from the fan base as well, too. Well, I, I think they are frustrated. It's just, you know, it, it starts to feel like everything that can go wrong with is it, it's not it's not a feeling that you can describe it's not something it's the same way as when you're winning things just happen in your in your favor and when you're losing or, or when you're a losing team things don't happen in your favor I'm, I'm looking at that play again that play was a lot closer than uh, that 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 double by Arenado was a lot closer than I probably thought to begin with because he was really close to catching that ball, which is I can understand why Gorman started to make his way back to second base. At the end of the day, though, you know it just didn't work out, and and the only thing you can do if you're Tommy Edmond is in that situation, stopping is not going to help anything. Just go catch him, run him down, mm-hmm. don't pass him, but be on his heels to the point where, you know that the, the guy that cut off the ball has to make a great throw to get get you out. He's not going to get Gorman out, but to get you out. Going back is not gonna gonna help anything, obviously, because Arenado was already standing at third base. So, you know, it, it's just finding ways to not win games, and as opposed to finding ways to win games. When you're a bad team uh, and a struggling team, that's what takes place. That's the Cardinals story. They're back in action tonight, just after seven tonight on Bally Sports. Meanwhile, the the big story today is that the PGA Tour and Live Golf have merged. They just released an announcement. The parties have signed an agreement that combines Liv's golf-related commercial businesses and rights with the commercial businesses and rights of the PGA Tour and the DP World Tour. It's a new collectively owned for-profit entity to ensure that all stakeholders benefit from a model that delivers maximum excitement and competition among the game's best players. This looks like a massive win for the Live Golf people. Yeah, well, because here's the big question, too, and this was part of the reason that some of the, uh, the players that they talked about of why they were even looking to live is because of that guaranteed money, right? That you're able to sign those contracts and you have that guaranteed money because, as we know, with the PGA Tour, none of that was necessarily guaranteed. It was all performance-based and it's very, very expensive. So that was my first question whenever I saw the news of this merger is, does this mean that you also have more guaranteed money for the players on a contract basis? I'm not sure that that... Well, I'm sure they know, but I don't think that there is... 
an announcement yet. Maybe this is why Rory McIlroy, by the way, has been so reticent to talk about live golf over the course of the yeah, last month. Yeah, that kind of makes sense. Maybe he know, yeah. knows, knows mm-hmm. what was coming. But if you're Rory McIlroy, if you're Tiger Woods, and these guys have gotten their two or three hundred million dollars or whatever it is, and you're sitting there and you didn't get the guarantees, aren't you saying, well, okay, we're the same company now. I should get what he got or more. Well, that's that's really the the question because how can you merge with a company where some people have guaranteed contracts and then the others don't? You almost, I mean, you're gonna have to. Everyone's gonna have to have the the, the same style of contract, correct? If if uh, I mean, how how wouldn't that take place? If, if this guy is getting paid X number of dollars and it's guaranteed regardless of his performance and you're telling me I have to play at a certain level to make yeah. this amount of money, which is not nearly as close to what they're making in guaranteed money. Um, yeah, maybe maybe that does. Maybe that did have something to do with with Rory and how he was he was playing and performing. And if you got a lot of things on your mind, you know. Maybe that you're not you're not performing at your highest level. Now, one thing it does say here: the DP World Tour and Live Golf will retain similar administrative oversight of events on their respective tours. So I don't know that the Live Golf is going to be folded into the uh, PGA Tour. It doesn't appear that that's the case. It says the respective tours will continue, but even that being the case, if every if they're run by the same people, and I'm Rory and Dustin yeah. Johnson has his 125 150 million dollars. I want the guaranteed money too, Matthew. Here's the here's the quote on um, CNBC's website. This is from David Faber. Uh, the PIF is prepared to invest billions of new capital into the new en- entity. The PIF being the Saudi Arabian Public Investment Fund. So what is the new entity and why is Saudi Arabia then pumping a bunch of new money into it? So I'm like, what is this quote unquote new entity and is it a full on same kind of like overhead for both live and the PGA? Because by the way, that doesn't get away from what started this all, which is the Saudi Arabians pumping a ton of money to cover up the fact of everything that they've been doing for years. I mean, that's that's that right there has to be the the crux of the matter right there. They're pumping all the money. Is it too late? You think it's too late for for me? Oh, for golf? Yeah. You'd yes, like to get no? Is. You think so? Yeah. It is. You don't think I? I mean, I I've been practicing. You don't think I can? No. no. You think I'm a little no. too far behind? I, I, I'm I'm way I behind. Too. Don't feel bad about just it. Just wondering. I mean, it's, uh, yeah. This is stunning. I didn't see this coming at all. Not so at all. Live golf and PGA merging. That is our rush hour reset here on 101 ESPN. Coming up, Mike Claiborne going to join us. Is Mike down in Texas or is he here? He's probably going to London, so he's probably with the team, right? So, uh, Claibs will join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Mike Claiborne, who uh, down in Texas evidently is wearing a, po- a bolo tie. Is that what I'm given to understand here? Yes. yes he posted a, a photo with, with Chip Carey, and he had a bolo tie, and the bolo tie had a big C on it. So I have to find out where Mike gets his personalized bolo ties. Hmm. Okay. Intriguing. Do you think that okay. C stood for Chip? <laughs> or maybe he, he, Chip was letting him borrow it? <laughs> I didn't even yeah, yeah. think about that, <laughs> too. It's, it's the double C, too, with Carey. So maybe, yeah, that's, oh. that's fair. That's fair. Uh, is it, and Ricky Horton, too? Okay. This is good. Okay. Those guys are having some fun, aren't they? Good for them. At least they are. Well, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and then the Intrusive games, thoughts yeah, then, came then out. Then the games start. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, 
it's been it's been an experience thus far. But Claims is one of the best dressed people I think I've ever met in my entire life. Just going back to that, a positive. Claims has some of the best style I've seen. He does. Even rivals Frank Cusimano in his suits. We'll see if I get an angry text from Frank about that. <laughs> oh, no. There's no way that anybody has a better wardrobe than Coos. Is I it? well, Claves, Claves is full ensemble. You know what I mean? I think yeah. Claves has the, has the longer reach. I think I think Frank has a narrower pro. Like he he's got okay, the suits, the suits yeah. and he's got the ties. Claves he's got the pockets. Where he's, in this but picture, Claves yeah. has got jeans. He's got the boots. Yeah. He's got bolo ties. He's yeah. sports jackets of all it's different everywhere. colors. I think he's got the right wider range. A lot of which I mean I know Frank does too. He likes his Italian suits. Okay, but. Carrie and I weren't here yesterday for the controversy. Oh, we oh. show fast lane, yeah. fast lane slash opening drive. Now I was the MC of the event, Carrie. Okay, I yes. was counting the home runs. Okay, and you know in a home run derby, mm-hmm. one hundred and one ESPN had more balls go over the fence right. than the show did. Right. So if one team has more home runs in a home run derby than the other team, how should you determine the winner? Uh, the team that has the ball go over the fence more. That's what I think. Now, where's the controversy lie here, Brooke? What are what are the, our friends at the Riz Show thinking? So I think it was towards the end, right? Is that where the controversy, or is it? Are they not? Was there a big difference between They're, Rockio and they? They and have, Ray they have now runs. They have laid out controversies at every level hmm. of this event, Brooke. Sounds Beginning, like a, like a middle, loser. and end. They have laid out a controversy, a reason. Dare I say, excuse? Okay. At just about every level of this competition. Sounds like yeah. a team that lost. Well, and and also too, and I think it's safe that we talked yesterday. I didn't know because I was by myself. If I just kind of like tiptoed around the incident that happened, but after I heard that the Riz Show like did a whole podcast naming after it and stuff like that. I think that that kind of distracted them from yeah. maybe what happened too because he thighsmaned his leg. Yes, uh, that's yes. not great. No. Yes, and yeah. so we didn't get to get to the lightning round where you had the definite finish of this, and so maybe that's where they're coming from. Well, that happens. You I'm know, just saying, that... four people went on one side, four people went on the other side, and as Randy said, one team hit more home runs than the other than one. The other. Are they saying that because the the game in their mind wasn't finished? Mm-hmm. Do they feel that that the game was cut short? Do they feel like it was a a seven inning game as opposed to a nine it inning game? Or, you know what that happens in baseball. I mean, softball. the team that is leading in in a, in a rain delay, if the game is canceled, the team that that is leading wins, right? That is correct, oh, okay. sir. All I know there was a there was an incident that took place that yeah. no one, I don't think anyone set this person out to. Joe Theismann is well, ankle. Yeah, they did uh, the, the, the ratio actually thinks that that is the case. And they did, oh, they did, they did, they did accuse a uh, some poor scorekeeping. Agent. Apparently, Rafe was robbed of a home run that went um, beyond what was de- deemed the left foul line. And apparently, they counted one of mine that went to the same left foul line. I don't remember I that happening. That. I, I question that. that. I also have video footage of my whole round. So if we want to go to the, we want to go to the, the tape. If we want to go to the tape. Should, we can go to the was tape. It, was it videotaped? I had somebody videotaping mine from the crowd, right, we, just, we, just to I'm be sure, because sure, I had a feeling. There are yeah. some uh, some videos out there. There is. Don't but, look at videos of me, because but, I, I started, it, muscle memory kicked in, and I looked like a tennis player out there. So. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I asked Jamie Sorry. Rivers during his timeout, I said, Jamie, because he was ready to win, I said, if when you pass and win your round, are you going to keep hitting? And he, he passed his opponent. He was going against, who was Jamie's opponent? Jamie's uh, Jamie opponent went against was, uh, King Scott. We yeah. actually uh, the Riz Show actually just tweeted at you right now. Okay, oh. so let, let, me make, let me make this point. With the um, w- w- Jamie kept hitting home runs, 
he didn't stop even though there, he, he had already won. So he won by like three or four home runs. And Anthony was he won by more than one home run too so what do they say what are the Riz shows uh, to your tweet which you yeah. sent out uh, you said you were counting the home runs ES, 101 ESPN had more balls go over than Riz show did so if the home run derby was about hitting the most home runs the fast lane would have won the Riz show responds but Randy we didn't finish the game right back to it we also think a couple homers that went out but bounced back in, in and should have been counted for us but weren't we would like to finish this game hashtag fast lane your move so right there you see it again the excuses the, yeah. the incorrect counting uh, accusation. So Riz didn't participate in this um, home run derby, correct? No, he did not. Mm-hmm. Will he be participating? Because I was unable to participate as well. And and if we're going to, if they're going to add one, we'd like to add one as well. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I know, I know I Marsh is really angry because they, they came out to the fast lane, obviously. So Marsh is angry now. He wasn't able to be there. Listen, <laughs> I, I, I understand we're going to add some people. I'm just saying I would like some extra cuts because I was feeling it. I was going to do well in that lightning round. They weren't going to beat us in the lightning round. That's that's the odd thing here. They think they they thought they were going to beat us in the lightning round. That wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Stalter and Rivers were, were dialed in. It was, it was we were we were going to push. I mean, it was going to be an even bigger win. Can I just say, Anthony and Rivers were, I mean, fantastic in the home run derby. Swinging. I mean, oh my god, they were swinging. Yes, yeah, yes. I mean, uh, did Anthony participate in like a softball league or something? Somebody told me that that he participated in a softball league or maybe something like that at some point. I know he played college football, but man, he was clutch. Was he not, Randy? He was him. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. And Moon was great, too. Moon was doing well, and he also had the moon on his side as well. There was a beautiful moon out there. So I felt like like that was cheating. I felt like Uh, that was cheating away because he was powered by it in some way. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, so in, in conspiracy fact, theories. This this was actually this was actually Rafe yesterday um, talking about uh, apparently the the plant that, that that was there. Well, we suspect there may have been a plant by ESPN. No. Uh, Supposedly, during a bubble race, this kid broke his ankle in two places. <laughs> but he had on a Jamie Rivers shirt, which we found highly suspect. We have sympathy, but we're starting to think that it was a wooden ankle. And uh, the kid was a plant to keep us from progressing. They're, they're referring to it, of course, as the trick ankle. Oh, oh, my goodness. God. That's unfortunate. Uh, I, I feel, and all, I think that he is texted in, the, the guy that. He has, and you yes, know what? And he's ESP- doing great. And ESPN's going to do the real thing. We're going to get him some swag instead of using him as some kind of scapegoat for our failures. Oh. Yeah. I'm just I saying. Mean, who, who, went over there and, who went over there and helped him out? If you don't Jamie like it, and Stalter. play better. That's usually how that works. You don't like it, play better. Yes. Yeah. You know, you you lost a, a, a as a as a good sportsman. You know, you you take your wins and you take your losses and you go on about your day. Yeah, you shake the other team's hand, tell them good luck in the future, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, wish you the best. They do want to finish the game, and uh, they have to be willing to accept Kerry Davis as part of the. Let's the, do the it. I like that. Package. I like this Let's proposition. Do I, do I do. I just Let's told him it. on Twitter that Kerry Davis is back in town, baby. <laughs> Coming up, the Cardinals lose again. Can they pull one out of the fire here in Texas? That's next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the opening drive podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. First of all, I, I, I've watched the video. Really well spoken. Loved his explanation. I thought it was absolutely sincere. So I'm a big fan of Walker's already. How about back in the day when Stan Musial showed up in Cardinals camp hitting with that peekaboo stance? 
and some instructor goes up to him and says, Stasha, you can't hit that way, man. That's not going to work in the big leagues. This, this is all analytically driven. You try to get the guy to hit more home runs. Let him hit, learn how to hit the ball hard to the right center field gap first. He eventually is going to learn how to put the ball in the air just naturally. He's big, he's strong. That'll eventually occur. The more you try to force that, you might get some uh, initial return on that. Some guy might get lucky. He might get just get face bad pitchers that are uh, throwing home runs as opposed to him up there really hitting good pitching and taking pitches that he can drive. That is former Cubs and uh, Rays manager Joe Madden on MLB Network talking about Cardinal outfielder Jordan Walker. And to me, what seems like a rather logical approach to having a young player develop at the major league level, it is hard to force a guy to be what you want him to be and just kind of pigeonhole him and say, okay, you are going to be this and we're going to send you down to the minors so you can work on what we want you to be rather than letting a player evolve into what he ultimately becomes. And I think the Stan Musial comparison is a great one. Nobody would have said, Stan, that's the stance that's going to allow you to hit 331 with 475 home runs and be one of the great hitters of all time and have 1,865 hits at home and 1,865 hits on the road. People would not have thought that. But sometimes you just have to let a baseball player be a baseball player. Well, I told you all, when you have a great player, you just get the hell out of the way. You don't bother them. You don't overcorrect them. You 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 assist in the areas that they need assistance in, but you don't try to fix something that is you, – you have no idea how they even got to that point. You had nothing to do with it. So the fact that they wanted to send him down to work on a launch angle, which – obviously is not part of his natural swing or was not a part of his natural swing. You could be changing some things up and and making him a worse player than he already was. Yeah, I I agree because, too, you've also have seen – in the past two of how that can mess with the player and also mess with the relationship with the player and the organization as well. When you're trying to build trust that early on, trusting that when you say that you're going to stay, you're going to keep him here no matter mm-hmm. what through May, you you know, you say that no matter what he does, you're going to stick with him and then you send him down. What does that do to the relationship moving forward? And also, who was it that was that Greg or I can't remember who it was that we had on that said, what does that also say to the rest of the you know players as well? Because they all look at that. All the players notice mm-hmm. that and they see that, too. And it's like, well, how can I trust you with anything you say to me when I saw what you did to Jordan Walker? Really? I mean, that's that's the important thing. We've been talking a lot today about relationships and trust and and everyone being on the same page. And when you aren't, you don't have a good team. The thing that makes players and managers and a team be successful is the trust that you have for one another. And then to your point, Brooke, when you tell a guy he's going to be here, he battled through all of the things that we wanted to see him battle through and. He did. He, he started the season off here, but now we're going to send him down because he's not quite doing this part of the game particularly well. You know, it could it could resonate throughout the entire clubhouse and everyone is kind of looking around like, well, anything is possible at any time because this, they told us something that that it changed. And, it changed quickly. And what we're talking about here are things that bad organizations do. Yes. And the Cardinals have historically been a great organization. This is kind of stunning to me that. So many things that bad organizations do, waste money on Contreras, Fowler, Leak, bring up young players and tell them, okay, you're our guy. And this isn't just Jordan Walker. This is Zach Thompson, too. Say, you're our guy. You're going to be here. And then all of a sudden, when things don't go there or the team's way, then they're gone. Brooke, you say all the players look at what happens with Jordan Walker. How about when they tell... Zach Thompson, okay, you're a lefty reliever. You're a yes. guy in the bullpen. Yes. And then he's here for a month, month and a half, 
and then they all of a sudden decide, you know what, we want you to be a starter, so we're going to take away a year of service time for you and a year of major league salary and send you down to the minors so that you can stretch out to be a starter for us in 2024. What does that tell young players? Yeah, it, it says a lot, and the fact that you've had multiple instances of that in just this one season – I, no wonder that we're not seeing a co- cohesive unit out in the field mm-hmm. right now with the Cardinals, right? Because it just makes sense. There is no trust there whenever you see that you can pick apart where one thing was said and then it's changed. And, and it's changed quickly, too. Yep. Here's Madden on the treatment of young players by an organization and specifically trying to make changes to a young player. I don't care what your age is, like 21, 22, 23, your body's been working a certain way, maybe for 10 years at least. And all of a sudden you're going to take that guy and on a, the biggest stage and ask him to do something completely differently. That's that's a bad assumption. It's not it's not easy for that to happen. It might work once in a while. Then all of a sudden you think it's going to work for everybody. Not true. Uh, if a guy's been successful, he's been successful for a reason. And, yeah, there's little tweaks and different things you might want to include. But I, I really um, I'm very much aware of, of letting a guy play it all the way through, letting him play it on his own, and then being there to hopefully possibly pick him up if necessary. But it takes all sizes. It takes all different methods. Hands started high, hands started low. Pitchers no windup or a complete windup. It's to try to cookie cutter this thing all the time because one or two guys are successful. That's what's happening, and you got to stay away from that. He's a... He's a voice of reason, a voice of logic. And as a Cardinal fan, I really want that guy in the organization. I want Joe, Mo- Joe Madden in the Cardinal organization. Oh, and he'll probably never have a job again because he's a manager and teams yep. want to go by analytics. Yep. And that's unfortunate. Yeah. Well, because once again, we've been talking about it literally this whole show too. trust, but also just having a feel, having a feel for your players. He hasn't even taught. He said that he hasn't even talked to Jordan Walker, but the way that he was already advocating for him, that he was essentially proud of him for kind of sticking to his guns on what he felt like work and to not mess with him. That's almost what you feel like you need with this group, right? You need somebody who's going to advocate and say, no, 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 no. Uh, everything's fine, Jordan Walker. We're gonna we're gonna stick with you. We're not gonna send you down. We're gonna work through this because we believe in you. We know you're wrong, young, but also how many times did we hear them say too? And they even said this in the minors. How well he's able to handle adversity. How mature he is for his age. You stick with that, and you don't ruin it. And hopefully they didn't ruin him. And hopefully they are going to reach a conclusion soon that what and. Let's just put Jordan Walker to the side as his own entity. But Dylan Carlson was a guy that the Cardinals, John Mosaic said, you, to get him away from us, you'd have to pry him out of my cold, dead hands. They went to Jordan, to Dylan Carlson last year, last July, and said, hey, we aren't trading you for a Juan Soto. And obviously they thought very highly of him. They got great work out of Tyler O'Neill, who, for whatever reason, even when he's healthy, rarely, has regressed. A guy like Brendan Donovan had a 394 on base last year and was a gold glove winner mm-hmm. as a utility player. He has regressed this year. Tommy Edmond isn't the Tommy Edmond started last year as the number one player in terms of war in all of baseball for the first couple of months of the season. Now, was that sustainable? Probably not. But Tommy Edmond has regressed at some point. And by the way, give the Cardinals credit. Kisner has improved. Yes. Gorman has improved. So credit where credit is due. But to me, your job as an organization like this one that wants to promote young players is to maximize those young players in your organization. And 
I just don't see that happening right now. And maybe it's a process. Maybe it's maybe I'm expecting Patience, it to be in a, right. Hmm? Patience. Patience. Remember, yeah. that's what they've been M- saying. Maybe I'm expecting things too quickly for them. But they're at the major league level. I'm not the one that promoted them. I think you are. I think the best coaches, the best managers, are people that. Um, you know, coach their players to their best abilities. The, the the things that they do well, they they accentuate that. They don't attack it or say, hey, I don't like how that swing looks or I don't like the this part of your swing. No, you know what? You do this really well. Let's work on whatever aspects of, of your style of play. And I think that's what Joe Madden was saying. When you have a guy that naturally does things, you don't try to shift it or change it. You just assist them to be better at what they're already doing. And that's what good managers, good coaches are able to do. Well, and also kind of we played Joe Madden. It's interesting that he keeps talking so much about the Cardinals. Mm-hmm. Of course, there's enough material to talk about, right? But it's interesting, too, going back to how he viewed that whole Wilson Contreras situation, too, because he dealt with Wilson yep. Contreras. What did Joe Madden talk about when it came to making sure that they did everything to make sure that Wilson Contreras was successful? Remember, he brought up, you know, making sure that there was a coach there in place. Yes, a coach there in place to help him. So that's also evaluating your talent and seeing what specifically take it, not looking at a person as a number or the analytics, but what specifically that person needs in that moment to maximize them, maximize the talent that you have on your roster. And I will wrap up with this. Wilson Contreras played his best under Joe Madden. Chris Bryan played his best under Joe Madden. Addison Russell played his best under Joe Madden. Ben Zobris played his best under Joe Madden. Anthony Rizzo played his best under Joe Madden. Dexter Fowler played far and away his best under Joe Madden. Schwarber has become a much better hitter now. Mm-hmm. Played very well under, under Madden, but certainly not his best under Joe Madden. Jason Hayward had a good year under Mike Matheny, but I would say played his best under Joe Madden. I just think that Madden's one of those special guys that gets people to play better. Mm-hmm. And if you go back to Tampa, Evan Longoria played his best under Joe Madden. Carlos uh, Pena played his best under Joe Madden. It's it, there's a long history there of him maximizing players. And some franchise is going to hit the jackpot, even though he's 68 years old, by getting Joe Madden there. By the way, Mike Trout played his best under uh, all due respect to what Mike Sosha did. Mike Trout all around game best under Joe Madden. When did Shohei Otani arrive on the scene and become a, a, a super-duper star? Under Joe Madden. So something is is right there. We're going to have a rock and roll as we head down the stretch. Uh, oh, Claves is going to join us next on 101 ESPN. You're back to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Channeling his uh, inner Philip Rivers, sporting the bolo tie in Texas, which makes sense. If you're going to be in Texas, you got to sport a bolo tie. And Claves is always exceptionally <laughs> well dressed and joins us now from Texas here on 101 ESPN. Good morning, sir. How you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing better than some people I know. Let's just put it that way. Uh, there's people that are also in your tra- many people in your traveling party. Let's put it that way, right? It's true. You know, <laughs> I'm doing better than anybody who was wearing a gray uniform last. Claves, <laughs> what is going on? I mean, this six of the last seven, four in a row. It, it just feels like what we saw earlier in the season, kind of rearing its head again. What do you What are you seeing from this team that is causing them to not take care of their business? Well, you know, Carrie, that's the $64,000 question. And somebody asked Ollie that on Sunday. 
and he used the he. I don't know if you guys heard it. We saw. He used, it, it, okay, no, he, he it started with an F mm-hmm. and ended with a K, and he said no, and he's right because I think back then we everybody was trying to figure out who we are and what we're doing. Now it's just a thing where some people are just pressing and they're trying to overdo it. I'll give you a good like Nolan Arenado last night. I mean, how many times are you going to see him miss two balls, make a base running mistake? And, you know, I mean, it just doesn't happen because everybody's trying to push the envelope to be better. And, and what was funny about it is I had another player who we were talking yesterday, and he said, let me ask you a question. He said, what's it like in the clubhouse? And I said, what do you mean? He said, the guy's playing ping pong or whatever. And I said, you know, it's interesting. No. He said, well, we're in a situation where this guy snapped on some players yesterday or the day before, and they're struggling. And, and he was like, he, he, he took all the ping pong paddles and everything and threw them out. He said, look, until we figure this out, this is how this is going to be. And, you know, the, the effort's there, the commitment's there. I mean, from coaching all the way down to the equipment guys. I mean, it's just that we just need a break. We just need something good to turn for us. And uh, once we do, because there's enough talent on this team to really get it going. But, you know, when it happens, how it happens, personally speaking, I'd love for somebody to start throwing at us and see what would happen. Because this this Luke and Baker, somebody <laughs> if he grabs somebody, it's it's over. <laughs> they list him at like two eighty. Kerry, he could play guard in at for any team in the NFL. I mean, this guy is massive, okay? We need something to just bring us all together other than Ollie getting tossed from a game. We need something team wise to get us going. And like I said, back in the old days, and Randy, you know, if somebody started throwing at somebody, you, you were itching for a reason. <laughs> mm-hmm. I just wonder who's who's going to start the if, – if somebody gets hit, maybe Baker's the guy. I, I, I wonder who on this team right now would charge the mound. Good question. Or what pitcher? We have a couple guys. And, you know, Miles Michaelis is a guy where, you know, if he drills you, there's it's a reason. And I think Jack's the same guy, and Jack goes to, uh, uh, tomorrow, and he's really kind of he's kind of ornery right now. He's a little surly, <laughs> so if, if, if things get a little out of hand, I wouldn't be surprised to see him. But we need something to bring us together as a team, and, and what that is, I don't know. Uh, but I will tell all the listeners: um, this team has not quit. They have not rolled over. They are not uh, giving up. Because, you know, you have some guys, the, the two guys on the corners, and Goldschmidt and Arnado, Jack and Wayno, there's some other guys. And we, but then I think about all the young players that we have. And, and Mo and I were talking about this yesterday. And so Mo made a point. He said, you know, we've never gone through this before. And so everybody's looking at each other trying to figure out, okay, you, you remember when we had this happen? And nobody can say, yeah, because we've never gone through this before. So I'm of the belief you stick with the plan, um, you stay stay engaged, stay focused, and just as uh, Bill Parcells, just do your job. Yeah. Well, Clay's kind of talking about that, too. As you mentioned, you talked to John Mosaylock yesterday. What is the plan feel like from him right now? And do you feel a sense of urgency from the Cardinals organization to figure out how to get things back on track? 
Well, you know, Brooke, g- good question. As I remind him, flag day is just around the corner. We'll, we'll talk again next week. Um, there comes a point where you want to be patient, but there comes a point where you run out of patience. And I think we're in that zone where, okay, we're going we're gonna to stick with it, but we're going to come to a point where we're going to have to make an adjustment because some people aren't doing their job. And, and I'm of the belief the savior to this situation is not in the organization. Okay. He's not in the minors. You know, he's not on this roster. There, there are a couple of people somewhere in another organization that probably need to be contributing to what we have going on now. But I think in fairness, you want to give everybody here a chance to do their job. And, you know, and I asked Mo this yesterday about pitching. And I said, you know, this was a concern last year, concern in spring training, and here we are now. And, you know, he, he, wanted, he dug in on the fact of wanting to give these people an opportunity to do their job. And, you know, what? recently it really hasn't been pitching. It's been, you know, timely hitting. And to be honest with you, our hitting has been more productive and it's been in the last couple of years. You know, Colonel Ward and Brandon Allen have done a remarkable job, and I'll give you the best example. Look at Nolan Gorman. Mm-hmm. Nolan Gorman was lost last year. You've had something to do with it, but he trusts what's going on. Paul DeYoung and I were talking about it last night on the bus, and the fact that he, he's in a better zone as far as approach is concerned. And, and so, you know, it goes back to this every night, you have to have pitching, defense, and offense working together. We've had pitching and defense some nights and no offense. We've had a lot of offense and not enough pitching. It, it, it comes with a 162-game season. And Mo made a point yesterday. He said, we have 102 games left. We're not giving up. We're not having a fire sale or any of that. He said, we're going to stick with what we have. And if we need to adjust somewhere along the way, we'll do that. So I just say to all, all the listeners, this, this is going to be hard. It's going to be very hard, but I think we have the, the makeup from a character standpoint to maybe to get through this. Claims, what are you looking forward to most about London? Well, I'm going to get one of those big guard hats. You know, the ones I like that, it. I'm just trying to figure out how I can convince Mark Walsh to put it on the plane to bring it back. <laughs> are you going to get it off the guard, huh? Yeah, I'm gonna you know, I'm gonna say, hey, look, man, I got tickets. For, I got tickets for Cardinals, Yankees. You want to come? You know, whatever. Uh, I'm looking forward to that. I've already got my ensemble, fashion-wise, thanks to my good friends at Bespoke, uh, <laughs> yeah. Clayton. And uh, so I will. Miles Blacklist and I were talking about this last night about who's going to be best dressed. I said, bro, we'll both be on the podium. <laughs> you, know, you know, we'll both be standing on the podium. We we need to figure out who the who who's going to be the bronze medalist, you know, and we'll have our flowers in our hands, you know. But we will we will definitely represent the United States of America, the St. Louis Cardinals, and all of our listeners and people who really appreciate what we do. Love it. And what's going oh, we on? We're rocking, bro. Trust me. <laughs> Love it. What's gonna What's going on at ClaimsOnline dot com? I'm glad you asked because we have a, a major announcement. Um, you know, the loss of Rick Hummel is something we still think about and, and just realize how important he was to everybody who's a baseball fan. And if you knew Rick, like you knew him, Randy and Brooke, and, uh, we, we miss him. So Bob Nightingale, the USA Today, is going to be our new contributor. Nice. 
exclusively. And we'll do him at least once a week, maybe twice a week, talking inside baseball and just getting his thoughts from a national perspective. And you guys know Bob. Uh, if there's anybody more connected than Bob Nightingale, I'd like to meet him. And it was funny yesterday. I saw when I was talking to Bruce Bochy. He said you talked to he said you talked to Bob lately. I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, uh, he said yeah. And he just looked. He said, I heard. <laughs> so, you know, uh, and Bruce Bochy's one of the best. And you know, by the way, this Texas team they are loaded, man. This this ballpark, Randy, Kerry and Brooke. I've never seen things this big in my life <laughs> from a baseball. Hey, you got to compete with Jerry is. World down there. It, you know what? It's giving Jerry's world a run for his money. And, and here's the best example. And, Carrie, you've been on enough buses in your life. Their lower level can accommodate three buses where they can pull mm-hmm. in and turn around. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's room. <laughs> I, I, can believe, I cannot believe how big this thing is. And uh, they didn't miss anything. I mean, the weight rooms, the vi- the visitor's dressing, area, dressing room is massive. And so I was telling Boach, I said, Boach, I can't believe how big this visitor's room is. He said, oh, come on with me. <laughs> I walk in there, and I'm telling you, man, you can have a family of eight live in this dressing room. Mm. I mean, they've done it right. It, it is a gold standard. Not that I'm going to be around for Bush Stadium 4, but this would be a great blueprint for whoever's going to build a ballpark. It's just the right size. And a lot of Cardinal fans down there, too. Claims will be tuned There's in tonight. Cardinal fans last night to Ranger fans. That's it, it, the Cardinal yeah. fans travel well. Congratulations! Oh my goodness, they were everywhere. That's great. They were everywhere. Yeah. Hey, Claves, great to have you with us. Thanks. Have a great trip to London, and we will talk to you next week. We'll talk next week for sure. Jolly good, mate. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. <laughs> Mike Claymore with us on 101 ESPN. You can hear him on the Cardinal Radio Network tonight. Uh, great job today by our producer engineer, the one the uh, producer audio engineer Matthew Rocchio. Pleasure. Uh, Brooke, we did it again. We did. And with you guys here, which makes me oh, happy. Yeah, good. Thank you. I missed you guys. I didn't even do any Sunshine Lollipops today there, CD. No, I, was, I was kind of bitter. We did one, but it was for a negative yeah. Sunshine <laughs> Lollipops. Yeah. So we're going to have to start doing, if they lose tonight, five in a row, Eww. you know what? Number, Number of, the, of day. the day. You got it. You got it. <laughs> hey, we thank you for tuning in, texting, and being a part of the show. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, we've got a balloon party. Is McKernan here? Yeah. Okay. McKernan and uh, T-Mac and Ajax coming up. For all of us until tomorrow morning at 7. Have a great day, St. Louis. That's right. You've been listening to the Opening Drive Podcast on 101 ESPN and ESPN.com. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers.